Hello? The following is not intended for younger listeners. Who is this? After all, we are talking about horror movies. Who? The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Is this spam? So now that we got that out of the way, do you like scary movies? No, wait, what am I saying? This is a pre-recorded message. Well, then why don't you take a listen to this week's episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feet. Ugh, I hate when they try to sell me something. Welcome! Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Joe. And today is uh, a continuance of our Halloween extravaganza thingamabobber. You know, we did this last year, we're going to do it again because it's just fun. It's that time of year to celebrate scary movies. And today is very special because we have a very special guest who's in shock right now. <laughs> I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit in shock. It's kind of it's kind of I'm coming to terms with the fact that it's come to this point. I meant it. You you do really? Yes, I did. Mean oh it. my god! A very special guest, um, who is a big fan of this type of genre and is. This week's expert on our topic of discussion, ladies and gentlemen, our third dude this week, Alex Waikey. Ah, thank, ah, uh, oh, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, no, it's great to be here. Uh, like I said, I, I think I told you guys this. I tell you guys this a lot. I do listen to this podcast quite a lot of times when I'm at work. So this is kind of a long time coming. I'm really excited. Your listenership is appreciated. It, it is. But also, it feels like this episode has been one of the ones we've been planning for the longest. Mm-hmm. It's been, I feel like it's been on our, you know, the spreadsheet we've had for like a year. And we just knew it had to be Waikiki on this episode. Guaranteed. Nobody else could be on this episode. It's really nice when you're able to like find it. I mean, was it something that you did specifically too with Gifford with the Dark Knight episode too? Like, was he chosen for that one too, or was that one kind of more sprung up? He picked that one. Oh, he did pick that. He one. He picked that one. He because we wanted him on the show, and so we just kind of gave him a list, and we're like, here, you know, which one do you want to be in? And he's like, ooh, I want to be in this one, and then you know history was made basically right but the fact to have an episode specifically picked out for you that that's nice (laughs) that is actually really cool (laughs) yeah you were no pun intended tailor-made for this one (laughs) 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 but yeah 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 i can see myself in the reflection behind you by the way so i'm just like slightly oh yeah just right there just like (laughs) there's my hand it, uh, for those who can't see it, obviously you can't see this is a podcast. If you could see through <laughs> our voices, tell me what superpower you have because that sounds kind of neat. But uh, my mirror is right behind my computer setup so Richard can see my reflection through the webcam and he can see himself <laughs> on the computer screen. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. 
Anyways, I'm sorry. I was distracted. I hope you are. <laughs> but good news is there is there isn't a 30 second delay, so there is that. Thank goodness there's not a 30 second delay. Behind you, Wikey! No! No! <laughs> Get me out! <laughs> oh my gosh! But okay, okay. So since you're the guest, Wikey. You're going to get the first, how do you do? So, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I've just been kind of relaxing for the next few days. I took I took a day off yesterday. I was wrecked my hand somehow. So, now Taylor and I were just chilling for a bit. We just watched uh, What If, the new episode, and she's watching Star Wars Visions right now. Because it just dropped today. <laughs> I can't watch it because my Wi-Fi is, is being dumb. So once that gets back up, then I will enjoy both of those things, hopefully. I'm enjoying it. They're really, they're not that long. They're only like 17 minutes long. I think the longest one is like 26, but that's like one out of nine that are per the rest of them are pretty short and the problem is with when we binge stuff is that like sometimes these episodes are just like ridiculously long they're like 45 minutes or so so it's like if you miss one episode and you don't have time you don't have time to go into the next one but with these animations you could just go through them really quick and taylor loves that kind of stuff and so do i so it's really cool outside of that uh something that has somewhat relation to the to the topic of discussion we've also been watching friends okay all right yeah yeah there is definitely relation there yeah there's definitely relation there uh we're just on season three at the moment i think we're like halfway through but it's funny because this is the season i have a lot of friends who either grew up in the 90s or just watched the show like just because it was on tv so they've grown up on it i particularly didn't my older sister did. I know she really loves the show. She owns all the seasons. But what's funny about this season that we're on right now is that whenever one of my friends was binging the show and I'd come to hang out with them, this would be the season that they'd be on. And I always remember it's a specific couple episodes I'd always see. And I'm like, it happened like in the span of, I remember, like a year or so. My friend Chris was watching the show. It was that season, these couple episodes. Then... Taylor was doing it. It was this season, these couple episodes. And I was like, what is going on? So what you're saying is someone needs to visit you at some point. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm bitching friends. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and they'll be like, oh, okay, cool. And then they'll see that they're watching the episode. But nah, <laughs> I mean, my roommate has walked in. I'm seen us watching it, but I don't know if he likes friends. So isn't there always that like debate? Like, I know, like, like there's that weird generalization that, like, amongst 90s popular shows, it's, like, you either like Friends or you like Seinfeld. There is a little bit of that consensus. I know a lot of people, like, on the Seinfeld group kind of rib the Friends group, you know, like, our humor is drier and a little smarter, which I don't buy into that. I think it's all kind of the same. I mean, granted, though, I do admittedly prefer Seinfeld, but that's just, that's what my dad loves watching. It's It's a preference. I actually work with somebody who is a huge Friends fan, but could never get into Seinfeld. The humor is kind of an acquired taste. I mean, it's so dry. But that is kind of Jerry Seinfeld's whole prid quo co, or however you say it. His, his shtick. Yeah. <laughs> it's his shtick. I'm, I'm, exci I'm excited because Seinfeld's going to Netflix soon. Like, well, after this episode comes out, it'll be on Netflix for like a week or so already. But I, but I was saying, like, Seinfeld was on Hulu for the longest time. And I remember when it was on Hulu, it was a big, like, streaming deal. 
like many, many years ago. And it just left Hulu earlier this year. And I was trying to binge through Seinfeld earlier this year. So now I can get back on that once um, it hits Netflix. Do you remember how far you got? Uh, yes, I'm season six. I, ha- I had like a checklist on my, my phone notes. That's around where I stopped. I remember I was binging it just before I started production on the movie I did. And after, because once that summer started, I just had literally no time. Which was funny because after we were done shooting, I had time to watch SpongeBob episodes. But <laughs> but SpongeBob's different. I have to dedicate time to that. <laughs> My brother always has time to watch SpongeBob. I'll just I'll just see like the Nickelodeon logo. I'm like, wait, what are you? Oh, it's SpongeBob. Okay. You see, Mike understands me. <laughs> yes, Mike understands all of us. I think <laughs> Mike is the nah. way. Into, Mike knows the way into our hearts just by being him. I still will never get over that picture of him and I standing over the Spider-Man costume once he went sent back to Sony for that short period of time. And we were like, no! (laughs) (laughs) Anything else in the life of Wikey? Not necessarily. I've just been kind of just playing it, playing it cool, just watching new shows and just working a ton. Um, I have plans for for some new stuff, but... um, we're just kind of playing it by ear at this point. But yeah, just been playing it. Cool. How are you guys doing? Joey, how are you doing? Well, um, uh, you know, I'm not going to talk too, too much because I'm not going to put this in the ep- episode fully, just partly. Um, uh, I, I successfully got a job, um, a new job, and um, I'm very very excited about this. I've been working at it for a very long time. Um, but it's a part-time job. So whenever I refer to the fact that I have this job, I quote, um, the iconic kingdom, of the crystal skull and go part-time. <laughs> and you always have to be at a distance when that happens. Like you're like, someone's just like, someone's literally like, like on the other side of the road. Part-time. And you're like part-time. I was imagining just Feehan just dressed up as Mutt Williams. You have a new job? Part time. Part time. Uh, you know, so that that's probably the most exciting development in my life in a very long time. So I'm very happy about that. Um, also, just shout out to Allison. She sent me some Funko Pops. She sent me Elvis. And she, as a surprise, she sent me, like, there's been, like, these, like, superhero ones where it's, like, the pop and then it stands in front of a comic book. She got me, like, Superman standing in front of Action Comics number one. And uh, that that was really cool uh, to see in the mail. So, shout out to, shout out to Allison, as always. Um, other than that, I, I'm also really excited because I picked up Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid on Blu-ray. Uh, Kino put it out on Blu-ray this week. And I was watching a little bit of it. And <laughs> I just, I love that movie so much. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty great. It may be on, it may be on the docket at some point in the future. Just from the title alone, Wink. it sounds beautiful. Do you ever see it, Wikey? I have not. I, don't, I haven't heard of it until just now, actually. Oh, so... Let me describe this briefly. So Steve Martin, okay, is in this movie. He's like he's a pri- private investigator, right? And 
they have this story that goes on, but a lot of the story is supplemented by clips from other, like, film noir movies. So, what? like, he'll be talking, he'll, he'll be talking to, like, Humphrey Bogart at one point, and they'll try to match it, and it's insane. It's really insane. It sounds it, like Kung uh, Pao into the fist a little bit. It does it, sound like Kung Pao into the fist. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I have to send you a clip. I'll have to send you a clip later, but it's, I love this movie. And I was rewatching it recently because I saw it was on Movies Anywhere. And then when I found out they, they were putting it on Blu-ray, I just got even more excited. Um, and it looks great on Blu-ray. Really fantastic. Um, Carl dir- Rayner uh, directed this? Yes, he did. And may he rest in peace. Uh, he directed it and he's in the movie. It's kind of, it's kind of bonkers, honestly. And it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> that is that is beautiful. Now I now I have to watch it. I love when filmmakers are able to just splice together just new movies out of existing movies and put that comedic spin out of it. Just it's like what Richard said. It reminds me a lot of like Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Only this time it's you know film noir instead of seventies kung fu. <laughs> uh, I just and just the way um, you, you'll get more when you see the movie. But like Steve Martin goes cleaning woman. And he just shouts that. It's so funny. Um, Richard, how are you doing? Aside from the fact that your mother is in a pizza crisis! She's in a pizza crisis, and I knew this was going to happen, if I'm being honest. Wise men say, forgiveness is divine, but never Never pay pay full price price for for a late late pizza. pizza. Facts. Um, I'm (laughs) alright. I've mostly just been like chilling working um just a lot a lot of changes happening at work recently and it's a bit of a headache um there was uh, i have been spoiling myself with movies so i've literally just been buying a bunch of different things recently i think it's because i got a raise not that long ago so i feel like like it's that it's that weird like point where you're like oh i'm making money now or more than I was, so I'm going to spoil myself. And then afterwards, when you're done, you realize I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> this is probably like, not oh the God, best idea. I got bills I got to pay. It's like, <laughs> but it's okay. Thankfully, I've I've also saved up money, so that's nice. Um, and then on top of all that, just doing a lot of stuff because uh, we're doing that radio drama again this year. We're doing a brand new one. And this one, uh, if you haven't guessed by this episode, <laughs> is a musical. And um, I have the first song in it, which on one hand is sort of nerve-wracking, but on the other hand, it's like, I do like to sing. I don't I don't consider myself a great singer, but I like doing it because it's just fun. And so um, I've done I've, I've done a few song stuff with John in the past. And like it varies, at least on my end. I think the music is always great, but my end, I'm usually like, yeah, I could have done better, or could, you know, I thought that was all right. But this is probably like my favorite one that we've done because I was like, wow, this, I was pretty impressed with myself, admittedly. Um, and then I played it for some friends at work, and um, I was like, go listen to it away from me, though. I don't want to, I don't want to hear myself. So I like just stayed in like the front area and like cleaned, and then like. I, I got close to the door and I audibly heard, Oh my God. <laughs> and like, I was, I, I made me go, is that, a, is that good? <laughs> what is this reaction? So they came out and they're like, where is he? Richard. 
what? <laughs> I'm like, what? What? Is this good? And they're like, that was, that was like very professional. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> thank you. So shout out to John How for making me look that? good. <laughs> I, I've heard that bit and it, it's great. But also, guys, if you've never heard a Girlfriend for Christmas... I really like Rich Richard's bit. I think that's it's actually sounds really one of my favorite bits of the whole song. The clock is ticking. Oh, Saint Nick and a girlfriend, a girlfriend, quick, ho ho ho. And it, well, I, anytime you say ho ho ho, that's my favorite part. Cause that's the one I quote all the time. This, I, I, I like the ending. <laughs> the best is but why Santa? Ho 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 ho. It just ignores <laughs> that. That was. Honestly, that was one of the best ones, that song. But I'm very excited for this. I still haven't recorded my lines, so I apologize, John, from the past. John from the past is going to be so upset. But anyway, he also didn't send Waikiki his lines, I guess, because Waikiki's in it, too. So, yeah, no. <laughs> so He's everyone, sending messages to... Everyone is slacking, so it's okay. I had to re I actually sending messages to marty mcfly in 55 to come get him in 85 no he sends it to go home uh, i actually had to re-record like all of my dialogue like everything song everything because apparently the audio wasn't that great the first time so that was kind of a headache to have to redo all of that but hopefully it sounds a lot better now because he hasn't told me i had to re-record anything so that's nice that reminds me of something. Uh, so, full full disclosure, um, when I was doing the movie, uh, for listeners, I made a fe- I'm working on a feature film right now, and uh, when I when we were editing it, I was leaving for the cities because I just moved out at that point, and we just recorded all the ADR, and we were like, okay, well, that's in the bag. We're getting close to the end. I get a call from Anton, my co-director. He's like, um, I got some bad news bunch of our audio files got corrupted and i can't get them back we gotta re-record all the adr but (laughs) there is a happy ending to this like a month or so passed i think he was like re-recording some of his own dialogue because he and his wife are in the movie but then he called me he was like dude i i don't know what i did i just fidgeted it around a little bit and all of a sudden I was able to save the files. We got them back. And I was like, oh, uh, I, 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 I fell back a little bit and I was like, it's a miracle. Thank you. Please just let the, let this be done. Just, I just had like slight PTSD flashbacks from hearing that story. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people who work in like production fields like that have PTSD with stories like that. Mm. Do you remember we had to record the Seven Samurai half like three times? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, the sad part was I think wasn't that one of the episodes where like the first take was like really really good and, like we were at, but then like oh what well, which one was it where like the first the first take was like really really good and then the, and then the, we were like shit <laughs> I forget which one but I just remember Seven Samurai I kept saying the same thing and it was like three times we did that one. <laughs> I think we do we do we mention it in the final cut of it that we're just like listen this is like the eighteenth time we've been doing this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was that was that was rough, uh, but we got it we got it out we did it and we've 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 gotten to this point 
So that's still pretty exciting. And speaking of film production stuff, making movies and making making things in general, um, today's episode is actually all about a specific legend in the field of horror that I know both Waiki and I are massive fans of, uh, Mr. Wes Craven. I think for a lot of times people called him, he was like the master of horror for a long period of time. Like a lot of people went to him. I, yeah. You know, like he did The Hills Have Eyes. I think he did, I think just the first one he did. Uh, the first one he did was Last House on the Left. And then I, Oh yeah, he, he did Last House on the Left. And then he followed that up with Hills Have Eyes. Um, and then he did the Swamp Thing movie. <laughs> He did do the Swamp Thing movie. I, you said you haven't seen that movie I, yet? I have actually... I was thinking about this because I'd seen clips of it, but I'd never actually watched the whole movie, so I can't speak on the quality of the Swamp Thing movie. I've heard rumors. Uh, my girlfriend just walked in. Someone's behind you! <laughs> ah! <laughs> but yeah, Wes Craven. He was a... He's a genius. May he rest in peace. I, God, I remember when his death happened. That actually hit me hard 2015 that was a year but he's had such an interesting career as a filmmaker i mean he started off like he he was born in cleveland hour away from me and um he was born in a like a strictly religious family like i think it was like baptist like strict religious family and he went to school he, he went to college he became a teacher and then there was the the interest in filmmaking, but that led to first making like X-rated movies, and then he didn't really make horror movies till until uh, Last House on the Left, which was I mean it's sort of like an exploitation, like violence, excessive movie. And then Hills Have Eyes, and then uh, from then from there, you know, just sort of building his his skills as a filmmaker. But it wasn't really until our first movie that uh, he really let loose himself as a master of horror onto the world. And that movie is well, what? Well, Richard, to... I want to read the tagline for this movie first. If Nancy doesn't wake up screaming... No, you know what? I'm going to replace it with Gifford. <laughs> <laughs> if Gifford doesn't wake up screaming, <laughs> he won't wake up at all. <laughs> A nightmare on Elm Street. This! Man, this must really be a dream because this is the only way Wiki can get on the podcast is to try to kill us as Freddy Krueger. (laughs) One, two, Freddy's coming for you. So is this, wait, Joey, is this, are we actually recording a podcast right now or are we sleeping? Uh, My walls are are melting and I think Wiki is getting like long noodle arms and is chasing us around in a sweater sweater that I imagine he got from a Goodwill. Spirit Halloween, but we're close. (laughs) But uh, the the real tagline is Nancy. I just wanted to point that. It was not Gifford. Shout out to Gifford. Shout out to Gifford. We love you, Gifford. Um, but yes, 1984's A Nightmare on Elm Street, which, again, that's that's a that again like Wes Craven himself. That is definitely like a favorite movie of myself and Wikey's. But due to of the three of us, doesn't have as much experience when it comes to Wes Craven, specifically with this one, because of the two, this is the one he hasn't seen. So I'm going to ask you first about. You're over because the first thing, the first time you ever heard of this was The Simpsons, wasn't it? It was because The Simpsons had the 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 parody with uh with 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 this you know you know Willie 
and that was where I had really heard about this story. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, God. Even though I was like a kid, I'm like, oh, that's that's pretty creepy. You know, this guy, he, obviously there's some comedic parts because it's The Simpsons, but I was like, oh, gosh. And obviously, like, it's one of those movies where you consume through osmosis because you see, like, there's so many famous scenes in this movie. It's like if you've never seen Star Wars, but you know, like, lightsabers, Death Stars exploding and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was really my first exposure, like at my first time really sitting down and seeing the entire thing, which was funny because I was watching this in my man cave and my sound bar was not really cooperating with my streaming stuff. So there were times, there were times where I was watching this and the audio was just a little bit off and I couldn't hear people. I'm like, is this a creative choice? Is Waste Craven like intentionally doing this? So like it, it cause I was creeped out. Because then there would be parts where there would be no dialogue and Freddy would be like, I'm here! Ah! Or some bullshit like that would happen. And I was like, I'm like, oh. And so I had to re-watch it. I was re-watching it, like, last night and this morning. Um, you know, but I, I think it was, it, was, it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. Um, overall. It's an a amazing movie. I remember my first exposure to this movie. I was... I think it was in high school or something like that, because that's when I really started to get into horror movies was when I was in high school, because I think I wanted to try some of that out and I wanted to expose myself for different films. And I remember it was around the time when the remake came out, the Michael Bay produced remake. Oh, 2010. And, <laughs> yeah. Ah, from the director so, yeah. of uh, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit music video. <laughs> case, Wait, for real? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's um why there wasn't nirvana in the movie just, i couldn't tell just you jackie Earl haley showing up where the lights are <laughs> <laughs> you know for that movie i wouldn't have been surprised if smells like teen spirit did play in the soundtrack it was that kind of level corny but anywho <laughs> i remember that movie was coming out and i was still kind of really i was I was still young to that stuff. Like my, I think the oldest horror movie I'd seen at that point, outside of like maybe the Universal Monsters, were was uh, John Carpenter's Halloween, which is my, which is another love of mine. And I remember I tried to watch, I tried to watch the new, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, and I had to find it somewhere. And I think I might have found it online. I don't remember how, but I remember I was watching it, and because it was online, the screen was tiny. Ugh. And I was watching it in the dark in my dad's computer room in the basement. And I remember the movie always sticking with me since then. Because it's like, at that point, I, has, I hadn't been exposed to horror like that. And it was a very different experience. Especially for horror at that point in time. Because I know a lot of that was kind of just... A lot of horror was kind of going into... Kind of like what we have with the splatter genre. Or like the Gorno stuff with the Saw movies. But mm-hmm. for them, it was the slashers. It was like that, Michael Myers, Jason, but I think I think what made Freddy stand out is that he talked, for one, whereas like all the other ones were like just stocky, killers. Like, huge people, but the silent killers. Um, but with Freddy, though he doesn't, like it's funny to think, like when you think of like the whole franchise of Nightmare on Elm Street and like how often he talks... So it's because like in this one, he doesn't like have whole sections of dialogue. It's not like anything like that. That's what I was most surprised by speaking as somebody who had never seen this movie's entirety. Because I guess I some of the other moments I remember are just from like the sequels 
where he has a lot more to Robert Englund has a lot more to say. This one, he's definitely there, but he it's it, it, I what I really like about it is like you really focus in, and you were pointing this out, Richard. You really focus in on the trauma that this creates, and like it, I, I think I think that's the best thing that this movie does is it creates that sense of dread that any moment something could happen, you know, because it, yeah, in reality, like there's not a lot of kills that happen in this movie. There's literally three. Not really. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, the other movies it gets really excessive, but yeah, this is the one where it's it's pretty tamed down. They really let you marinate in the se- let you marinate in the moment, and you have to you're like dreading when is it going to become a scene? Do we know when Freddy's coming out? And another thing that helps this movie, and I I don't I always forget about it unt- until I have it and rewatch. I always forget when it's going to transition into a dream sequence because. It, it blurs. Wes Craven blends. Yeah. Yeah. He blurs the nightmare world between the real world so seamlessly to points where it's like, like, like I said, you forget when it's a dream. And then when it turns out, oh, my God, Freddy's there. You're like, wait, what? When did this happen? <laughs> and it's just it catches you off guard, honestly, like every time you do it. And the movie is like almost 40 years old. It It's it's definitely one of those movies that um like it, it's something that I think Wes Craven did in a lot of his movies. Like even with our next movie, you know, there's still not a lot of people die. They really like focus on the traumatic element of it all. I think as much as you know, obviously people love like the slasher characters in horror movies. Um, for the most part, especially when the sequels roll around, they tend to get the spotlight. Whereas I think with Wes Craven, he bothers to actually build up the characterization and the work of like the people who are being attacked by them. So like when you're, when you're following the story with Nancy after the sort of fake out switch of like, is it Tina, the main character? No, it's not Tina, which they sort of do again in our next movie as well. Um, which it was such a weird thing watching both movies. And like, there's like a Venn diagram of like, okay, this movie, it does this, 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 no, I, I, yeah, that was another thing. I never realized just how much both this movie and our next movie kind of... It's similar how they both work on a similar format, essentially, with that whole thing. Because, like you said, you do think Tina's the main character for a good period of time. Because she's like, she's, like, talking about the scares with the dream and how real it felt. And it's just like, you know, it might, we might be having an earthquake or something. And we, we build through it. And then just that scene happens when freddy first attacks and you're just like whoa what the heck and then next thing you know it becomes nancy's story and nancy it's like you do spend a lot of time with her and you get to know what her home life is like you know she's a she's a child of divorce you know her mother's an alcoholic her dad's a work all the time cop and you know and it's just you really get to we we like really we like our working dads alone. on this show. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar, Wiki. I would love to see a version <laughs> of this movie where it's from his perspective, and it's like a comedy. It's a co- it's a comedy with horror. <laughs> it's like my kid won't sleep. I don't understand. I just I'm working. I can't get home to make her sleep. My wife, ex-wife, I, I don't know what she's doing. At this point, <laughs> clearly she's failing. <laughs> then that whole ending would happen and he'd be like okay i just got home from work ridiculous. and this is happening come on come on guys <laughs> a laugh track ensues 
Um, can- <laughs> Nancy, did you not go to sleep can, again? Can, can we can we also just just bring up um, uh, Johnny Depp? This is his first movie, and arguably the most normal looking he's in in any movie. <laughs> yeah, he's just Johnny Depp. He's oh, he's not even Johnny Depp. He's like some random preppy kid from Ohio. <laughs> So he's Richard Pernell. Uh, minus the preppy part. <laughs> minus the and preppy and part. I don't play sports. <laughs> but I think I've met several of that version of Johnny Depp before. But let's be real here. If Tim Burton directed your life story, you would be Johnny Depp. I hope not. <laughs> I want to be played by... You're not Johnny Depp. <laughs> oh, at this point, if this was like 2008, I would probably be excited by that notion. <laughs> let's turn back the clock. <laughs> But no, he yeah, it's so weird seeing Johnny Depp in this movie. Was he doing was he doing Twenty One Jump Street by this point? This was when this movie. This came was out? literally his his first like acting anything. Wow, and That's... the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> wow, where to take it off? Honestly, but it's funny because it's like even then it's just like normally he's the weirdo character, but in this one he's the skeptic. Like, nah, this ain't happening. It's just your dreams talking to you. Like, but I will say, his advice does save the day. <laughs> but he does have the most iconic death scene in the whole movie. Like, without a doubt. Oh, absolutely. Definitely the most iconic. I remember watching a video about, like, how they achieve that in real life. And I think it was, like, similar to how they kind of do the Inception room, where they have it, like, where they have the room on the crane and they were splurting the water out with the camera upside down. Yeah, that's how, they did the te- that's how they did the Tina death, too. Like, they built her room and so they just kind of strapped, or, like, they had um, um, Rod, I don't remember the actor's name, but Rod, I guess, was, like, either outside of the room or, like, like I don't remember how they got him. Maybe he was attached. I don't know. But then, like, you just see Tina, like, going up the wall and yet it's just like a spinning like room which is insane to think especially in 1984 <laughs> so many cool little practical effects too like i love um the freddy going through the wall like the oh that's a great one like that the, like the mesh wall i i would got to say like outside of the blood outside of the blood death that's probably like one of the other most iconic shots in this movie because i feel like that image just encapsulates the entire theme or vibe of the movie altogether i think one of my favorite bits is like when she's going up the, when she's going up the stairs mm-hmm. and her feet are like getting and like her feet get caught and i feel like that is such such like a dream you know a dream thing to happen that is like i've had so many nightmares where um like like in that instance like i'd be in like in a, in a situation where i'm trying to defend myself and i can't because i'm in slow motion like, I'd be trying to, like, punch somebody to, like, get away from me. And, like, I'm going, like, there's a res- resistance and I can't do anything. And that's the scariest thing. We have Nancy, Tina, Rod, and Glenn. Isn't that Johnny Depp's name in the movie? Yeah, I Glenn? think it is. Yeah, it is Glenn. He, he's Johnny Depp. He's Johnny Depp. For the purposes <laughs> of the story, he's Glenn. He, he, he was a weird version of Johnny Depp. <laughs> he, he's, like, he's, like, uh... A variant of Johnny Depp, to use Loki terms. You know what? <laughs> He's normal Johnny Depp, but because that is so weird by Johnny Depp turns, he is another weird Johnny Depp. So he is Glenn. <laughs> he is Glenn. Good old Glenn. 
Um, but basically, all these kids are having these nightmares, but they all have something in common, which is this burnt dude in a crusty red and green Christmas sweater and finger knives and a hat. And so the more they describe the dreams and, like, they're going into boiler rooms, they're kind of spooking each other out. And then, um, sadly, the kids start dying, but they don't know how. You know, obviously, Tina has her death when she goes up the wall and sort of travels the room. And it's shocking, not just because it's such a violent, you know, like, scene, but it's also, like, no one's there doing anything. It's just, it's happening to her. And so, as the movie plays out, especially with uh, when we get to Nancy's perspective, you know, she's starting to become afraid to go to sleep, and so she's taking sleeping pills and drinking coffee and anything she can to not actually go to sleep at night. And as she's um, learning more about this and, and what's actually happening, obviously no one believes her, so she has to sort of fight this whole thing on her own. She learns that this weird burnt dude in the dreams might have been an actual person named fred which is this is the most interesting thing i've always found is that um in this first movie he's referred to as fred krueger though he calls himself freddy yeah even in the credits even in the credits he's credited as fred krueger <laughs> which is which is kind of fun to th- funny to think like how especially like just from his look like he just has like red pure red sleeves as opposed to like the red and green striped sleeves like he has in like other adaptations he also doesn't have as many burn marks like you don't see, this is the one thing i also really love about this movie is you don't get to see freddy a lot like you only get a glimpse of him in like close-ups and the only time you ever get like a full view of his face he's obscured by shadow so you don't really get a whole lot of the detail in his face but if you i've seen like production photos of the makeup on him and it's like he doesn't have as much of like the burns on him as he would in like the later movies like two or three or whatnot like, he didn't really get the iconic look till like, some of the later installments, yeah. I would say, like, three um, would probably be, like, the one where it's kind of, like, that's the iconic one. But, yeah, this yeah. one, he's he's much more... He's, he's much more he's obscured. Fred. He's Fred <laughs> Krueger. He's just Fred, you know. But, my God. Hey, it's Fred! <laughs> oh, no! No! But on that Flashbacks. note... Flashbacks! On that note, can we just talk about how great Robert England is as Freddy Krueger? Because... He's having a ball with this role. Fun fact, I met him in person. Really? It was uh it was in a convention in Cleveland, oddly enough. They were doing uh, one of the like Wizard World conventions in Cleveland. And um he was one of the people doing autographs and I got an autograph from him. I don't know where we put it, but I got one from him. He was very nice. He's very elegant actually. It was like my first impression is that he seemed like like a very like well put together like a guy like an actor you would expect to come out of like Juilliard or something. I don't know what his acting credits are, but he seemed very elegant and well put together. Very which, well spoken. Very well spoken. Which obviously like, you know, I don't know, it just it was sort of like not expecting it, but I wasn't I don't know I didn't know what to expect cuz I just know him as Freddy Krueger mostly. But that, you know, but that's the power of a great actor and a great yeah. performance, you know. They can convince you, like, again, Johnny Depp can convince us that he's normal in this movie. <laughs> Which is so weird! It's so bizarre. <laughs> There's no logic to any of this. How did he do that? No wonder he had a huge career. <laughs> yeah. One of the biggest frickin'... Ugh. <laughs> I haven't met Robert Englund. I, I did see a Q&A of him. And another thing about him that I really love is he seems so humble, at least to his fans, because there's this, 
there was this one time in the Q&A where a woman came up t- and she was she had to have been like I don't know, like 14, 13 years old. She was relatively young and she was holding Robert England's book, his uh, biography. And she was saying like how much she loved Freddy Krueger and how Freddy Krueger scared her as a kid. And then what does Robert England do? He stands up, grabs the mic from the stand and goes, you gotta get them while they're young. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and, then just uh. came, and then he came down and signed the book for her. And I was like, that, that's awesome. Just Robert That's England, cool. he's he's a class act actor, and he gives it his all. He's what gives Freddy Krueger his identity. And honestly, I think out of all the like iconic slashers, he is the one actor to play their character the longest, or at least in the most stuff. Only one other actor. I mean, besides like Jackie Earl Haley's, I think the only guy that's ever played Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Besides. Yeah, he Robert. was even he was even Freddy in uh, Freddy's Nightmares, that kind of uh, Twilight Zone mm-hmm. um, ripoff show that they did in the eighties. Because apparently there was a lot of those. I know I know uh, Freddy the Thirteenth had one, but Jason doesn't appear in that show, and kind of makes you go like, why do they do this? But Jason does fight Freddy at one point. He does, and the, I low-key actually really love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> like low it's not key, low key I really anymore. Enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> now the whole world knows. I don't care. It, it has some of the funniest <laughs> moments. Just like, but we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about the no, first no, no, no. one. <laughs> oh. um, Wikey, I noticed you. Ha- you also had in our notes. Let me just pull this up again. That uh, Re- Wes Craven based the idea of this movie on multiple articles he read about people dying in their sleep. Yeah. From having a night. Yeah, there was a. That's kind of wild. Yeah, it was like it was a story of a bunch. Uh, I forget what was going on, but there was a bunch of children. They were they were immigrating to the United States, and from the trauma they suffered, they were having horrific nightmares. And I don't remember. They never spoke of anything about like an image, like a ghoulish figure, like Freddy. But they were saying how it's like they're worried that their nightmares are going to kill them, and they would die and they died in their sleep after having a nightmare. Like they would hear the screams and they run up. And another thing that was from those articles that also bled into the movie is that one of the kids that they found dead, they found uh, a coffee mug in the closet. So they were drinking coffee to stay awake at night just because they didn't want to go to sleep. And another thing that, and another thing that's also based on reality is the image of Freddy Krueger. Cause when Wes Craven was a child, he was living in an apartment and he said he was spooked because he was looking out the window because he heard a sound and he looked down onto the sidewalk and he saw this old man in a sweater, very similar to what Freddie was wearing and a hat, basically like what Freddie was wearing and kind of looked and freaked him out. I can't remember the exact thing. I don't know if he said anything. I would imagine he would have, otherwise he wouldn't have made Freddie such a talkative character, but... But it's it's interesting because it's like I think one thing I like about this movie and one thing that drives me into a lot of these horror movies is that like the imagery of Freddy is very simplistic, like it's almost something you would, but it's almost something like a childlike dream you would have, and that just it freaks you out. It's very he looks like a boogeyman. He does. He really does. He looks like the type of guy. Where if you're a kid and they have, like, don't talk to strangers, mm-hmm. he would look like that kind of guy with, like, the hat and maybe a sweater yeah, or something, mm-hmm. you know. Definitely. I think that was, like, that was, I think that was one of the big things, too, is that when he was, 
making Freddy Krueger, he was like, I want to make this the most like reprehensible like kind of person. So like, like what what would be the most reprehensible thing someone could do? It's like harm a child. Yeah, someone so innocent. I so mean, that's like the big thing. Yeah. yeah, and that even bleeds into his origin story because in the story of Freddy Krueger, he is a man who would go after children and go and kill them, and the parents of Spring Springwood. I think it's Springwood. Springwood. Yep. Yeah. The, Springwood, Ohio. The parents of Springwood, the Springwood, Ohio. Slasher. Yeah. So the, yep. And the parents of Springwood, they got together after Freddy was nep. Well, he was caught, but then he got out. So yeah. parents took someone him signed the wrong names and the wrong papers, and Kruger was free just like that. But then they you go do a out. great drunk mom impression. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm doing a good job at doing it i've been preparing for it it's the role of my life <laughs> but anywho <laughs> anywho yeah so as the story goes the parents of springwood they went out to freddy krueger and found him over at his old warehouse that he worked at or at least that was a retcon in the other movies that he worked at that steel mill and they burn it down but what they don't know is that freddy has returned and I gotta say, the movie does a really good job at like bleeding in that backstory because they don't talk about it at all, or that kind, or like the history that he has with the parents and Springwood until about like I think halfway through the movie. It's like around when Rod dies. It's like it feels like it's like almost before the beginning of the third act a little bit. Yeah, like after this, it was like wasn't it after the sleep study? Yeah, it was after the with sleep Roger study. Rabbit. Yeah. Well, I remember, like, the first scene when the parents, like, find out something and that tips you off to, like, oh, they know what's going on, is when she's describing what Freddy looks like and they're just like, oh, no, not him, essentially. Like, and they do that zoom in shots of the parents and it's like, we gotta, we gotta make sure she's okay. And then they do the whole sleep study, which, by the way, that's a great scene. And I love Mm -hmm. kind of the build up to it and how it builds the world. Like, how. And Roger Rabbit's in it. Roger Rabbit. It it makes. It made me think of like The Exorcist mm-hmm. in the, in that regard, um, just because. Well, obviously, Exorcist is a little di- like I think about like almost like the documentary style that The Exorcist was was shot in, and what I always sort of think about that movie. And then this movie where it's like they're doing a sleep study, they're doing this very scientific thing to try to explain this stuff, and then suddenly shit hits the fan, you know, and she's got the hat. <laughs> right, like, I pulled this out of my dream. I don't know where you really got that hat. Mom! Stop it! Who's Fred Krueger, Mom? Oh, Heather Camp. Which, by the way, do you know that she's a special effects makeup artist now? That is so I just found relevant. that out on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> that is, oh my god, especially given the fact that, like, in New Nightmare, like, the only other one that Wes Craven did, she's married to a makeup guy. That is so like a cool. props guy. Yeah, it, it, it's it's just destiny. She is her character. I thought I fixed this problem before we recorded. It's all right. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. But yeah, no, she's a me- yeah. God, New Nightmare is also really cool. I think the only other one that he that Wes Craven also worked on was uh, Dream Warriors because he co-wrote the screenplay with Frank Darabont on that one. The dude known for movies like Shawshank Redemption. He's done How a crazy lot. is that? Yeah. He's actually done a lot of <laughs> He's actually done a lot oh, yeah. of King adaptations. He did. 
Did he do Green Mile? He did do Green Mile. He also did uh, The Mist. That movie, that I know people hate the ending of that movie, but I have a weird love affair with that movie. I'm like no, no one has the balls to just kill off all these people and then be like, "All right, now kill yourself." But it's like, no, 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 the help has arrived. Yeah, Shit! <laughs> you got to appreciate it. But yeah, you got to appreciate the balls for doing something uh. like that. But um, um but no, night, this a nightmare on Elm, oh, Elm Street. No, sorry, I was just. You, you I got nothing. You're good. <laughs> so silly. Um, just just to just to put just put things in perspective, this movie costs one point one million dollars, which even by nineteen eighty four standards ain't a lot of money. Not Gee, really. It went on to gross fifty. It went on to gross fifty seven million worldwide which is that's insane a lot of money it's it's the movie that saved new line studios that's why new line is constantly constantly referred to as the house that freddie built that that so, is so cool to think about and so like it's also explains why like new line and robert shea who I, I is he still the head of new line i don't remember i thought he left not that long did ago. he leave yeah i'll have to check oh, that well, I know that New Line now has like a, a a lineage with horror, even to the point where they own Jason and they own Leatherface and made the and like were involved with the remakes and stuff. And that's part of the reason why Jason and Freddy were able to have that crossover is because New Line owned the rights to both characters, which is also funny given that Sean Cunningham and Wes Craven were like creative partners at one point. I think Sean Cunningham produced Hills Have Eyes, um, Nightmare on Elm Street with him. Yeah, was it Hills Have Eyes? Uh, well, I know I know uh, Shaunus Cunningham worked with uh, Wes Craven on the Hills Have Eyes because that was a big advertisement for the first Friday the Thirteenth. That makes sense because then, like, obviously, Sean Cunningham would go and do Friday the Thirteenth, and then Wes Craven would do Nightmare on Elm Street. So it's just it, it's just build up. <laughs> and it's crazy to think about because I was I was watching an interview with Wes Craven, and he was talking about how at that point a lot of people were saying horror was dead when he was doing Nightmare on Elm Street. And you got to put it in perspective. At that point, they only had... Like, it's crazy to talk about these movies now because there's a ton of sequels, but at that point, there was only one Texas Chainsaw. There were three Halloween movies, one that didn't have Michael Myers in it, and there was four Friday the 13th. Four. <laughs> so it's just, like they, like, they were trying. They were, like, you know, doing, doing different things and doing what was popular, but then... I think Nightmare on Elm Street really sort of, like, jolted things back. Yeah, because he stands out amongst all the other killers. Like you said, because he talks, but I feel like just the whole him being in the dream world just opens up so many new possibilities for what you could do with that kind of story. Because in the other ones... Plus, I... it's such a vulnerable place to be, like, because, like, the, the scariest thing is to, if something happens to you while you're sleeping. It is. You, you know, I, I think about, like older movies i think about psycho which is a big you know a big deal as far as like slasher stuff yeah. and then it's like oh where's one of the most vulnerable places you can be the shower the shower and it's like what's craven's just like hold my beer when you sleep. <laughs> right it's like listen you're still aware when you're in the shower you're just naked imagine if you weren't know what just nude you know, you know, it's you know you what bring... the, the topic is you're sleeping and you're naked Okay, well, Wes Craven's going to top that with how about you're sleeping in the bathtub? Because that is a scene in this movie. 
you are sleeping in the bathtub. That scene. That is a great scene. That gave me anxiety. (laughs) That whole scene. You know, it's crazy that that movie didn't cost that much to make. Only a million dollars. Because you would think with the special effects in this movie that it would have inflated it. I mean, I know they get way more zany in the sequels with the dream visuals. But I think it's also just like wizardry a little bit. You know what I mean? Like magic tricks. It is. That is true. Yeah. Because it's like in terms of the space... In terms of the space, it's only really the boiler room, and then all the other like zany stuff is more like isolated moments. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and just you know, and uh, not nobody was really a big star in this movie movie at the time. I mean, I'm th- I, I, I keep mentioning John Saxon only because I know him from Enter the Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, John Saxon probably could have taken on Freddy. Like, why they robbed us of John Saxon doing? martial arts moves to freddy krueger is beyond me because i feel like that was the natural progression of this franchise budget it was probably budget issues that's my assumption (laughs) i love chuck norris come in (laughs) some things you just can't afford sadly no no but um i think we had a pretty good conversation about this this um this particular movie um you know, very, very clearly, a clearly influential movie. It was a big deal when it came out. It's still a big deal. Even with my, my soundbar issues, it's quite effective as a movie. <laughs> it's, it, it, it unnerves you a little bit. The music, the atmosphere. It puts you on another level. It was, it was a lot of Freddy fans said like, this is when people took Freddy seriously because he does get sillier as the movies go on. But this one, it's like, it really it really understood the playing gr- the playing field and it stood out amongst the rest. And it, there's a reason Freddy to this day is one of the most iconic slashers. Like he transcends the era that he was created in. And there's a reason. <laughs> well, with all that said, we're going to um, gather together for a party, watch some mo- horror movies oh, and Joey, point out. Joey, is there um, a phone- is, are you getting a phone call? Oh yeah. Let me answer that. Uh, stay tuned. Okay, starting off with weather here at the top of the hour. What have you got for us there, Ricky? Well, Todd, you know I like rain as much as the next guy, but this weekend we're looking at pretty much clear skies, clean air, and peace on Earth. You're in Knox County. Boy, oh boy, I can't wait for that peace on Earth. Clean skies and clear air, too, huh? That's a relief. Except for those suckers down in Apple Valley. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Can't see squat. What with all this rain? Ah! Holy shrimp! I hit a guy. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! I don't need a lawsuit right now. Drag me under the bridge. Okay, I'm getting soaked. Oh my leg! Just go to your happy place. Everything's gonna be all right. I need this to be said. I take no responsibility whatsoever. But I am curious about your well-being. Are you okay, sir? Uh, I'm okay, I'm okay. A miracle! Oh, that's a relief. Thank goodness you're fine. Are you sure you're okay? Of course I'm not okay! My leg's busted! Okay, I'm gonna need you to calm down and not yell at me like that. I'm a very sensitive person. Now, I'm gonna let that pass, be a kind individual, and take you to the doctor. No! No doctor! 
I've got seven convictions and a warrant out for my arrest. Well now, a convict with a warrant. I did a good deed today. My conscience is clear. I guess I don't have to help you after all. Please, please nothing. No, there's no please. Okay, now I'm gonna tell you how this is gonna go. You're gonna take me to your house and you're gonna nurse me back to health. You break it, you buy it. <laughs> oh, L-O-L, sir. I'd like to see you make me nurse you back to health. You broke leg, psycho. L-O-L. <laughs> you have no choice. You're outnumbered. Three to one. <laughs> oh, 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 my leg. Three to one? There's only two of you. Oh, that's smart. You know what? You're right. There's Joey. There's me. And baby makes three. <gasps> What's that thing somewhere else? Are you crazy? Why, yes, he is. So you'll cooperate now. Yeah, fine, fine, whatever. Just don't shoot, all right? We're all getting to know each other. It's cool. Huzzah! A man of quality. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm Joey, and this is my best friend, John. Hi. Hey. What is your name, good sir? Wait, are you saying you don't know who I am? <gasps> are you the guy who dropped his ice cream at the bus stop six years ago? That is very specific. No, I am a world-famous celebrity. <gasps> You're a celebrity? <gasps> You're a celebrity? World-famous. Mm-hmm. Shaggy Rogers? Shaggy Rogers? Do I look like a cartoon? Joey, 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 how many times do I have to tell you? Scooby-Doo wasn't a documentary. I'm Richard Purnell, world-famous radio personality. Come on! Richard Purnell. Oh, I know you. You're the guy who reviews movies. Well, I've transitioned into a more serious topical matter, but yeah, I used to review movies. I'm a big fan. I used to listen to your show all the time. Look, guys, I hate to interrupt, but my leg's mangled and I'm in pain. Well, I don't know what to do. My car's in a ditch. Do you live nearby? Well, I was actually on my way to my friend's house. Well, no, he's not my friend, actually. We, we were sort of close at one point, but then he hit me with a car out of revenge for some reason, and it was a whole thing. I lived, thankfully. You shut up and tell me the address. Okay, calm, calm down. Are you sure you're okay? <clears throat> Let me check the address. This is uh, 2112 North Shore Road. Is that nearby? How am I supposed to know? I've been incarcerated for 12 years. John, my poor friend, I know you're in pain, but Richard Purnell is not to blame. Yes, he is. He ran me over. Shh. Let's all agree to stand up and start moving. It does us no good to sit around stewing. Did you get that from the Berenstein Bears? Grab out of my arm, John. Richard, let him thine shoulder you. to lean on. I'll kill you. Oh, why did this have to happen to me? Why did this have to happen to you? Why did this have to happen to me? I was on my way to Tijuana, happy as a clam, skipping down the stark country road till you showed up, you jerk. He's got a point. <laughs> wow. Okay, you know what? No. I don't have to take this from you, buddy. I'm a celebrity and you're just a guy. Take it easy. Take it easy. Think soothing uh, thoughts, John. I'm, I'm trying. Don't strain yourself. I know what we should do. Nope. 
You haven't heard my idea yet. Nope, whatever it is, I don't want to do it. Here, here. I think we should sing a song. No. no, thank you. I'll start. Then, John, you come in when you're ready, and Richard come in on the chorus. Ready? I said I wasn't going to sing, and I won't. When school lets out, we're going to twist and shout. Uh, I hate this song. We're going to show them what summer's uh, all about. We're going to go to the beach. That's a place that's neat. Uh, you know what? <clears throat> it's actually helping. So come on, pretty baby. Come along with me. I've, I've got, got a 63 Ford Galaxy 500, 500 XL. XL. And now they're both singing. It's, it's a honey, honey for, for the money. money. Don't you, you think, think it's swell? Come on, Richard. Sing. <laughs> you better sing. But we'll all go surfing the Pacific Rim. Oh, a car! Finally! My girl is my world. Richard, Richard, stop singing! Girl. A car's coming! We're saved! What? Oh. <coughs> mm. Good. Okay, everyone play it cool. But you three fellas walking down a dark country road in the rain. No reason for this guy to get suspicious. Right, Richard? Right. Uh-huh. Hello, boys. Need a ride? Why, yes. Yes, we do. To the nearest police station. Dirty rat. Haven't you heard? The main road is washed out. Aw, oh, shucks. That means the park rangers are the only law around here. Oh, no. For how long? At least till Monday when they clear the road. Why do you need to go to the police? Did something happen? Oh, nothing. <laughs> Not a thing. Just a little joke we made up. Right, Richard? Yeah, it's just a little, <laughs> little bit of humor there. And where am I driving you nice people? Tell the nice man where he's taking us, Richard. 2112 North Shore Road. <sighs> We're neighbors. How wonderful. I live at 2113 North Shore Road. Happy happenstance. What a coincidence. Ha ha! Ha ha ha! Laugh, Richard. Hardy har har. <gasps> we haven't exchanged names. How uncivilized of us. I'm Joey, and these are my best friends, Richard and... Bartholomew! My name is Bartholomew Jackson. Oh, Mr. Jackson, it's been a pleasure to make your kind acquaintance. My name is Man. Manfrotto. Oh, the pleasure's all mine! As you can see, I'm affable. Isn't that right, Joey? Absolutely. Thank you for that generous testimonial, friend. You're welcome. <laughs> well, Mr. Frado, I think you'll find you have nothing to fear driving down a dark country road with Bartholomew Jackson in the backseat of your car on a rainy night. That's most reassuring. And may I just say, I've never met a more interesting person. You're just so fascinating. Oh, Mr. Jackson, I'm flattered. I don't smell anything. I bet you're in a fascinating line of work. Fascinating people like you always are. As a matter of fact, I am in a rather fascinating line of work. I knew it! Didn't I know it, Richard? You knew it! I watch birds. Fascinating. Simply fascinating. Isn't that fascinating, Richard? Yeah, boy. Very fascinating. We all think that's fascinating. Wonderful. Yes, it is, isn't it? 
I come to the lake every fall when the golden-cheeked warblers pass through on migration. Come by the house any time and I'll show you my collection of shrunken heads. Yeah. That sounds delightful! No, it doesn't. He meant it does, didn't you, Joey? Didn't you, Joey? Yup! Ha ha! Here we are. 2112 North Shore Road. Wait, are you sure this is the place? All the lights are out. A tree fell on the power lines, so no electricity over the weekend. This day just keeps getting worse. See you, boys. Goodbye. What a joy it was to meet you, Mr. Frotto. Mr. Jackson, the feeling is more than mutual. Ta-ta. Goodbye. What a creep. A creep like that running around loose in society. Ugh. A guy like that puts a person on edge. You know, come to think of it, I met two creeps just like that not long ago. Careful on the steps. Uh, okay, okay, take it easy, take it easy. Uh, I bruise like a grape. Kenny! Hello? Kenny! Dang it, Kenny, come on. This frustration is bad for my radio voice, Kenny. Answer the door! Hmm. There appears to be a message carved into the door. What does it say? I can't see squat what with all this dark. It says, Dear Richard, I've gone into town to return some videotapes. Okay. Be back soon. Yours truly, Kenny. P.S. I left a key under the mat. Oh. oh. Here it is. He did something right for once. Spooky. So, hold on, I have some matches. Wait a second. Come on. Strike, dang you. Hurry up. Come on. I'm trying. They're all wet. There. There's the couch. Let's get you off your legs, buddy. Yeah. Easy, easy, easy. Uh, <laughs> out. Uh, <laughs> that's better. There's a fireplace, too. I'll see if I can get a fire started. What a great day. Broke John out of the hospital, we made a new best friend. More like hostage. And now, we'll all enjoy a nice evening by the fire in this beautiful lake house. Uh, there. It should start to warm up here in a little bit. i tell you one thing. I'm staying on this couch all weekend. I'm not going to move a muscle for the rest of the night. <gasps> I'll get it. No, no, wait. It might be the cops. Oh, yeah. Well, let me check real quick. No, stop. Are you the cops? Joey! Yes, this is Park Ranger Allison. Open this door. We need to have a word with you. Come on in, officer. Joey, open the door. There's nobody here. <laughs> Stall her until I can hide in the basement. Open up. This is a Park Ranger. Open the door, Joey. If I go down... You'll both be arrested as accomplices. <gasps> Open the door! Just hold on a minute. I'm not decent. I can't go to jail. I'm too soft to do hard time. Play it cool until she leaves. <sighs> okay. Okay, I'll stay down here until she's gone. You can let her in now. 
Good evening, officer. What can I do you for? Are you the owner of this house? Nope. I'm just a guy. Hi. Uh, we're just we're just running this place for for the night because we're going to Taiwan tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Taiwan. Us. That's what we're doing. Mind if I come inside and take a look around? What? Why? What? We don't. We didn't do anything wrong. I mean, it's not like we're hiding an escaped convict in the basement. <laughs> that would make us accomplices. <laughs> But if we were, I'd definitely be a hostage. Well, then, if you have nothing to hide, you won't mind if I familiarize myself with your surroundings. Not at all, officer. Come on in. Hmm. This is a nice place you got here. Real cozy and warm. Thank you. You. Me? Yes, you. Hi. My name's Richard. I'll be honest, Richard. I don't like you. Ouch. I don't like your looks. I think you're hiding something, and I'm going to get to the bottom of it. I swear I'm not hiding anything. Liar! Listen, I know tensions are high. Everybody get on the ground! Jeez! Uh, Park Ranger Allison! Allison here. Go ahead, Deputy Ranger Kyle. I clogged the toilet again. Why can't you handle it? Uh, that's not the end of the story. So I went to the utility closet to get the plunger. I follow you. When I got there, I noticed the front door was open. So I went to close it, and when I turned around, I saw a guy was in the weapons exhibit. An intruder in the ranger station? Is he still there? I think he's gone. What do you mean you think? Where are you? I've been hiding in the taxidermy exhibit for like an hour. An hour? You fool! He could be 500 miles away and we'll never catch him. Gee, I'm sorry. Apology not accepted. Go see if he stole my weapons. Okay. Uh, looks like he stole your crossbow. Clums, that crossbow was my prized possession. Where's Lieutenant Tammy? She's on break. I'm really scared and the toilet's still clogged. Okay, just sit tight and I'll be there soon. Well, I'd better go take care of this, but it was nice meeting you boys. Sorry if I lost my cool for a minute there, but the longer I stared at your face, the angrier I got. Oh, that's perfectly understandable. Do you mind me asking why you came here in the first place? Why did I come here? Hmm. Oh yeah, I came to tell you folks there's an escaped convict somewhere in the area. Nothing to worry about. If you see anything, just give us a call and I'll come check it out. Well, I mean, the power's out. How can I call you? Don't you guys have a generator? I haven't checked. We just got here. We get these storms every year around this time, so most people have one. If you don't, you can always take a boat ride across the lake to the Emporium and get one from Kara Haskell. She owns the place. La -de -da -de -da. Oh, hi everybody. Hi! Wow, looks like you started the party without me. Allow me to introduce myself. Get on the ground! It's okay, oh my it's God. okay. He's the guy that Ooh. rented the place. Ooh. Are you sure? Ooh. Yes! Ooh. I split. Oh, well then, it's all right. Ooh. Okay. Okay, I guess you've had enough, but don't you ever come at me like that again. Oh. Have a good one, fellas. Oh my god. Kenny, good gravy, are uh, you okay? He needs some milk. Oh, my spleen. Who are you? Joey DeAngelis, reporting for duty. Joey DeAngelis? Yep, I spell that J as in Joey, O as in Oi, E as in E. Why, as in, why don't I just mosey on into the kitchen and bring you an ice-cold glass of beverage to soothe your jangled nerves? What the heck? Where did you find this guy? Joey, 
Can you stand over there in the corner for a second while I talk to Kenny? Surely. Thank you. Richard, who is that guy? This is a really bad situation, Kenny. Why? What's wrong? Currently, we're being held hostage by an escaped convict from a mental hospital who's hiding in the basement. What? Shh. He might hear you. What? What happened? It was pouring rain on the drive down here, and I hit him with my car. An escaped mental patient? Oh, God. Oh, man. Oh, God. Oh, man. Oh, God. Well, what's he going to do with us? He says he's going to make me nurse him back to health. I don't know how long that's going to take if his leg is broken. Okay. Okay. Um, well, what about Joey DeAngelis? Is he an escapee? That's a good question. I'm going to say no. I get a feeling he's just helping John out of friendship. Can he be reasoned with? It's worth a shot. All right, Ricky. Watch me charm the snake into betraying his best friend. Joey. Yes? My throat is just so dry. You know what would really hit the spot? Milk! Mm -mm, Milk. Yes, sirree. Good old milk. Would you mind moseying into the kitchen and fetching me a glass? Just give me two seconds! Here's your milk. Simply delicious. <clears throat> Nothing like a glass of milk to wet the old whistle. <clears throat> right, Richard? What? Oh, yeah, right. Uh-huh. Milk. It's good stuff. Calcium and whatnot. Yes, sir. A glass of milk, a roaring fire, and two friends. What more could I possibly need? I'm your friend, but I hardly know you. Well, you brought me this glass of milk, didn't you? And it's just so darn tasty. Thanks. I I don't want to brag, but I do make a mean glass of milk. You can say that again. I make a mean glass of milk. A mean glass of milk. Yes, sir. I like milk, don't you, Joey? Um, yeah. You know what else I like? What? I like ribbons and baubles. Trinkets galore. (gasps) Teapots and kettles. But this I like more. I like friends who help friends in times of great need. I like friends who return all the love they receive. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. There, there, Joey DeAngelis. There, there. Psst, Kenny, hurry it up. You can't rush this. Listen, fellas, I'm an old-fashioned kind of a guy. I believe in real talk between real folks. So I'm going to put it all on the line, plain and simple. I think it's time we have a real, honest talk about John. What about him? Richard and I have been talking, and we feel that you care about John more than John cares about you. (gasps) That's not true. Joey, John's a desperate criminal. He's too dangerous to run around loose in society. Richard is right. We have to turn John over to the authorities. 
John's my best friend. I won't allow Joey, him. he's a scoundrel. <gasps> he's not Now a... let me finish. He's a low-down, dirty dog. <gasps> John would sell your soul for loose change if he had the chance. Richard, I'm surprised at you. John is my friend. A friend till the end. Why are you sitting down at the piano? No, wait a minute. Let's talk about this. Uh... A good friend he and a good friend me. Very best friends are we, says me. I need not fear when my friend is here. For a friend is true till the end. Well, what if your friend betrays you trying to be number one? Still friends. Hey, that's not fair. I wasn't having any fun. Still friends. It's not about fun. It's about loyalty. Loyalty went out the window when you tried to murder me. We've been over this. You wouldn't have been murdered. Simply maimed. Not murdered? Simply maimed? What are you? Insane? Gentlemen, gentlemen. <laughs> still friends. Still friends. put a lot of work into that song and it does you credit but you have to face the facts John is a criminal a threat to society he needs to be put away for his own good Joey he's sick in the head that's what makes him perpetrate these offenses he needs help John's sick in the head a head cold he's cuckoo for cocoa puffs boy <gasps> really John needs help all right let's help John peachy Okay, here's the plan. We all go down into the basement and whop the tar out of him with our mitts. Alright, I follow you. Then, we haul him up the stairs and tape him to the chair. Chips for John, right? Right! Right! Right. Once we have John taped up, we'll call the cops. The power's out. We can't call anyone. And I don't have a generator. Okay, uh, walk over to my neighbor's house. He has a boat with an outboard motor. You can use that to get across the lake to the Emporium and make a phone call there. I'm sure Carr has the place running on a generator by now. By neighbor, do you mean that man Frodo guy? Oh, you've met? Unfortunately. Well, I'll admit he's a little creepy, but he's a well-respected member of the community. And he'll let you borrow his boat. Sound like a plan? Sounds good to me. Okay, now let's take care of that chucklehead in the basement. Let's all link arms to assert our dominance. Good thinking. I'm not doing that. John? Hello? Over here! <laughs> Is she finally gone? Wait, who's this loser? God, he's ugly. I hate him already. Wait, what are you doing? 
Why are you powdering your fists? <laughs> no! Get that! What the hell? Get out! What are you doing? I'm just trying to help you with that. Please! Now let's get him upstairs. All right. Come on, lift. Easy, easy, easy. Oh, quit it! Let me be so rough. Oh, feels like a break. Oh, double cross me. It's for the good of society. Oh well, in that case, it's all right. Really? No, of course it's not all right. I'll kill you, you dirty double crosser. Okay. All right, careful. Watch your step. Almost there. I know this is a bit of a shock. But I'm sure you'll come around eventually. All right, let's get him on the couch. Ready? One, two, three. There. Okay, now, Joey and I will go to the Emporium. Here, take this walkie-talkie so you can call me if anything happens. All right, let's go. Bye, John. Whatever. This is so exciting, I've never double-crossed anyone before! Hello, this is thing on? Hi, Kenny? I can hear you. Great, I'm just checking to make sure. May I speak with John? Joey wants to talk to John. Okay, here he is. Hello? John? I literally saw you five seconds ago! Just wanted to make sure there weren't any hard feelings about this. My feelings about this are very hard! Oh, man. Oh man! Can he take the walkie-talkie back, please? Can he take take it away from him? Don't be gone long. I'll be keeping a close eye on this bird. Good luck. Over and out. Ten four. And we're back. Welcome back to Two Dudes One Double Feature. In our last segment, we were talking about scary dreams with White Key. Not that he's in scare. I mean, he might, uh, he might have been in a nightmare at some point. I don't know. I mean, people have said I had a dream about you, but it never turns out the way you think it does. <laughs> I always think that's a weird conversation to have with someone. It's like I, I had someone at work told me that they had a dream about me, and I'm like, doing what? <laughs> what was going on? Apparently, and they never finished the sentence. Apparently, I was helping them solve a murder, so I was, I was like a Watson. So I can I can work with that. I, I don't mind being a Watson. Well, did another character have the same dream with you as the Watson? No, another person t- had a dream that I was like killing people. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, no. But, but hey, you don't you don't know if it's the same person. It could be the same person with dual identity, dual dream identity. I was like, could someone get Dream Richard under control? <laughs> I don't appreciate what he's doing. Um, but. Yeah, so we were talking about trying dreams. to solve his own murders. <laughs> That's what it was. Um, so we were talking about dreams. We were talking about Nightmare on Elm Street. Now we're going to talk about another horror franchise that Wes Craven used to essentially kickstart horror back in gear once again. Uh, this time in the '90s with the 1996 slasher classic, ah! or Scream. What's your favorite scary movie, Richard? Showgirls. Absolutely terrifying. What's yours? Hey, wait a minute. That's in the second movie. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about the first movie right now. I, I Ryan Johnson you. <laughs> Subverted your Oh my god. Can I can I just say <laughs> that guy, that guy, like them recording that like that, 
I'd be like, man, that's just a modern Star Wars fan. No, it didn't say it like that. He actually said, no, <laughs> I am your father. <laughs> Get the lot. No, see, which brings up a grievance I have with the sequel and that Randy. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring this up. Oh, my Randy, God. The, the, the movie nerd character of this franchise misquotes aliens. Uh, I believe it's stay away, you bitch. This is a movie class, right? Wrong! The teacher nodded, too, so the teacher's also at fault. You're teaching a film you know theory what? class for college students. You should be fired. You know, you know what it is? It's it's Randy misquoting it so that the guy can misquote it so that Randy can remain the better film nerd. What? Oh, hello there. One second here. Ooh, there's a cat! This is This is new? We now have a cat? Is that Gozer? That is Gozer. This Gozer, my little five-month-old black cat. And yes, I did name him after the Sumerian demon god from Ghostbusters. Choose the form of the Destructor. Meow. He destroys a it, lot of things, so he might as well there. be the Destructor. I thought of a cat. Um, Meow. I really, yeah, scream. really, really dug this movie. I, it had been a long time since I watched it, but I love this movie. That was, that was the one thing that bummed me out about this episode, is that I was kind of excited to watch this one specifically with you. because But given how things played out, sadly that didn't happen. Because someone wanted to watch Schlock instead of Nightmare on Elm Street with me on Sunday. You can't blame me. Schlock is like my fifth favorite movie. Come on. <laughs> I, I can blame you. It makes me sad. Go... You do double features, yet you couldn't do a double feature of Schlock and Nightmare on Elm Street? A, a Nightmare on Schlock. <laughs> Schlock on Elm Street. The worst part is he sends me a screenshot <laughs> to be like, Ha look what I'm doing! Instead of watching this with you! Richard, you know, looky, looky. You know I'm going to make it up to you, Richard? For your birthday. Okay, even early. I might just do it for Christmas. Screw it. I'm gonna. You're gonna get a package of mail. Oh, Am I gonna get a copy of You Schlock are gonna get a Blu-ray copy of Schlock. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that might make me which, feel better which I just want to say this about Schlock this is about Scream we want to talk about Scream but Schlock the, the, on the Blu-ray cover has like my favorite tagline ever which I think applies to our podcast due to the horrifying nature of this picture absolutely no one will be admitted <laughs> oh my god Ugh. I love Scream though anyway. it's so good <laughs> Scream! Oh, oh my is. God! Scream! I'm, ah! Scream is Scream is I think is the movie that really like started my love of horror. If I'm being honest, because that movie, I think especially with a modern context and how people like apply so much lot because we I talk about this a lot in videos and on this episode, on on these shows just how much people try to apply logic to things, which makes, like, filmmakers play it safe and do, like, nostalgia things. So, like, watching Scream with a group of self-aware people who do that to horror movies is, I don't know, it feels more relevant now? It does, honestly. It, it kind of remains relevant, even. Like, I mean, horror evolves, horror changes over the years. I mean, the horrorscape as it is today is nowhere near like it was back in the 90s. But you watch this movie and it's like, Oddly enough, it's still pretty timeless. Like, those themes still, like, resonate into horror we do today. So, tell me your whole, like, viewing experience with this. Because, again, similar... Because this is the one you said you'd seen before of the two movies. So, when was the first time you watched this? I watched... I don't know if you've ever told me I that. watched this, I think, when, like, 
there was a babysitter at my house. I think that was the first time I watched this, and they had this movie. Mm-hmm. And I rem- it was the open. I remember so that was a so this was a babysitter movie. It was a babysitter movie, <laughs> not like Mary. This was like Mary, not Poppins. like Mary Poppins. <laughs> this is not quite like Mary Poppins. But I but it, it makes me a little bit more like Halloween. More like Halloween. Um, no, but I was, I, I know I kept, I compared Nightmare on Elm Street to like Star Wars, the cultural osmosis with Star Wars, where you're familiar with like the imagery and the scenes and all that. Like the opening scene in this movie makes me think of like Raiders of the Lost Ark, where the opening I almost feel like is more famous in a lot of ways than the rest of the movie. Well, what's funny about that is that Kevin Williamson, who basically like Wes, we credit Wes Craven a lot, but Kevin Williamson created th- this whole world. But um, wrote this one and the sequel. He wrote this one, the sequel, and he wrote the fourth one. And you know, he's he's he created these characters. But I guess when he was initially writing this story, that whole opening scene was like a short film, basically. Mm. It feels like it, that, honestly, because yeah. it, it's like uh, opening of Raiders is like a small, a short movie at the beginning that has a little bit of a connection to later on because Belloc appears in the beginning. And of course this, we have obviously the events of the beginning lead into the rest of the movie, but like, it feels like a separate thing, you know, when you're, when you're watching this and you're like, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, it was incredibly well done. I, I also just think about this concept. Like you were talking about like the incredibly, incredible meta nature of this and the self awareness, it could have fallen right on its face. But I think, I think what really works with this movie is because it is like it is satirical, but what's good about it, it's also a damn good horror movie. It is. Th- this movie could have easily have like just barreled in a little too hard into the whole meta comedy aspect of it yeah. to the point where it would cease to be a horror movie. But it remembers no, we're a slasher movie first and a meta movie second. And that like it uses the meta notions to create its story, but it doesn't like dictate its story and like historically that has always been like the constant pull and the con- like especially with um craven williamson and miramax owners at the time it's unfortunate you know the man produced a bunch of movies but he's a piece of shit he's in jail now so that's all that matters point being there was always especially when these movies started coming out with the sequels there was always that talk that violence in media would affect like people like like doing things in real life like because obviously that's something they have in the movie even when columbine happened when the third movie was coming out there was a real pull to like tone down so much of the movie which is why i think the third one is so toned down because of that it really is i keep forgetting about that it's just sort of crazy how much these movies not just affected horror and like how 90s movies sort of became that sort of meta like kind of thing that they constantly like let's try to emulate scream a little bit thing that they did um but also just like real world things like caller id for instance was not a thing before scream came out scream comes out we have caller id now and then like they even comment on these things in the movies themselves so like they talk about violence in media influencing real life or they talk about like, there's even a scene when Sydney in the second movie gets a call. I know I'm talking about the whole franchise, but I just love these movies. I'm sorry. But, like... No, it's good. It's, she, I um, love these movies, too. She gets a phone call, like, someone pranking her with the ghost face uh, voice. And she looks at the caller ID and, and immediately knows who it is. And the guy's like, oh, shit! 
<laughs> that's such a good point. <laughs> I like how you were saying like how these movies comment on how people would talk about how media affects the teenagers. It's like even what Billy Loomis says in the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make, make psychos, psychos more, more creative. creative. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a it's Which, such a good line. But it really resonates with the whole theme of the entire movie. Which I think we need and, to talk first and foremost about because um, obviously the iconic killer of these movies is Ghostface, who's not named necessarily. I mean, um, uh, Rose McGowan's character um, calls him he Ghostface. He says it, but it's more of a gauche. Yeah, but um, they call him the killer pretty much the whole time in the movie. But his, he's th- there's something so creepy about getting a phone call and the, like it being like this creepy, like sort of somewhat charming yet unnerving voice. And so massive props to Roger L. Jackson on that, who some of some people might know, especially people our age, famously as the voice of Mojo Jojo from the Powerpuff Girls. Mm-hmm. Mojo Jojo! Mojo Jojo wants to know what's your favorite scary movie. Mojo Jojo needs you to know which door Mojo Jojo is standing by. <laughs> but, um, and also just... Every every time he's he's in the movie, it's so creepy. Like like it's the most engaging parts of the movie. I think it's just the characters on the phone, and then you just hear "Hello, who's this? Who's this?" <laughs> I just want to know who I'm. It almost at. becomes less scary when he shows up in the costume. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> A little bit. It's weird. You know what though? But I'm also thinking about like that costume, and. Be, and, and like this goes back to like I think about things like RoboCop and Terminator, where there's like stuff mark mark that's for adults that kids end up getting into. I think about I can't tell you how many people I remember dressing up as Ghostface in elementary school. I remember that too. I I had a neighbor kid who dressed up like Ghostface and chased us around <laughs> when we were younger. Dude, I remember how it's so strange to think about re- in retrospect, like kids saying, "What's your favorite scary movie?" or like, um. Even like at the, it was around the same time, like people saying like you can't talk about Fight Club, and I'm in retrospect, I'm like, how did you see this movie, and why is your parents letting this happen? Sometimes they just sneak the <laughs> VHS copy away when or, they're not looking. Or back in the day, people watched like Mad Max Two on HBO. You know, people just yes, just watch stuff. You know? <laughs> HBO corrupting the youth of America <laughs> since 1996. <laughs> well i even remember like you know it's funny you bring that up because i think this movie actually had a lot of controversy when it came out not just because of how violent the opening was because i know they actually had to shave down the movie because it got an nc-17 rating just because of how gory that opening was but it was the opening and then like little bits and stuff too even like the bit when they're like cutting each other at the end of the movie to like fake that to like continue the like framing of of sydney and i remember like there was also a bit of a controversy because this movie came out around christmas time and it's like you're going to release a horror movie on the most sacred of holiday seasons and Wes craven's just like yes yeah listen i grew up in a baptist house they're already pissed i don't care <laughs> I, I mean also like on that note too just because that makes you think of like the box office i like i, I talked about the fir- the other movie nightmare on elm street this movie cost around 14 15 million dollars 
It grossed 173 million worldwide, which made it the highest-grossing slasher movie until the Halloween, um, you know, the new Halloween movie that came out a couple years ago. H two O. No, not H two O. Oh, oh, like I like, mean, it might as well be H two O, but like uh, the, the David Gordon Green the one. New, yeah, the, the 2018 yeah, one. 2018 yeah. one. Oh, okay. Um, that's which cool. that's an amazing legacy to have when you think about it, like. Over twenty years of being the top dog in in your in your subgenre box office wise, and adjusted for inflation, it is the biggest one. And you want to you want to what's so funny about you saying that is I was just reading about this, um, but when Scream Three was coming out, um, or like oh, like when Scream Two was coming out, I think um, it initially had the same release date as Titanic, and Titanic moved its release date so it didn't compete with Scream Two. That's insane. It's it's so wild to think. <laughs> and they mentioned James Cameron so many times in Scream 2. <laughs> now I'm just imagining just James Cameron just looking at the release date, just sweating, just like, no, if I release Titanic on Scream 2, I'm not going to become the biggest movie of all no, time. There's an alternate reality. <laughs> There's an alternate reality where Scream 2 made $2.1 billion. <laughs> No, no, oh my god. What, 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 what was your Nexus event? My movie beat out James Cameron's Titanic. They got you. It just turns out like, and then Scream just gets franchised to the 10th degree like the Stab movies. The movies within the movies of Scream. Oh <laughs> uh, but okay, so speaking of that, so similar to... Um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. So this movie is also dealing with high school kids. And um, this time we got a whole bunch of different kids. And this time the killer is tangible. Like this is an actual person in in existence that, you know, doesn't like haunt people in their dreams. So th- like there's a level of realism that makes it a little bit scarier maybe to some degree. But um, the central story is that there's this guy, um, Ghostface, as we know him, uh, who calls up. Uh, various people in the movie and terrorizes them uh, with movie trivia and all types of different things and just threats and then eventually um, it's sort of like is like a it's like a mouse being like a cat playing with a mouse kind of thing who's like in a trap you know that's what kind of it feels like and so as the movie plays out we follow Sidney Prescott who if I must say is probably my favorite nothing no nothing against any of the other scream queens but it's probably my favorite horror movie hero she's so good because like she's she's not like obviously she has like an innocence to her but she's not like an innocent character and she she's very resilient compared to a lot of other horror movie heroines no, I was like, when you say resilience, I was just like immediately thinking of that scene with Carol we- with Carol Weathers and how it's just like she immediately just stands. You mean Gail right Weathers? There. Gail Weathers. Why did I say Carol Weathers? I don't know, <laughs> but I'm starting to get worried. Uh, no, no. <laughs> the Woodsboro Murders by Gail Weathers. <laughs> I can't believe I misquoted a fucking movie. It's, a, on it's okay. Friday. Randy did it too, so you're fine. <laughs> You're no better than Randy. <laughs> no! Oh, no! I tried to make it a I'm positive a spin. I'm a better film fan. I'm a good noodle. I'm a good noodle. <laughs> I swear. I swear. Uh, but, okay.
Okay. Anyway, so yeah, no, so, I think of that scene <laughs> between Sydney and Gail Weathers, and I'm just I always think of that, and I was like, wow, there's not a lot of like slasher heroines that get scenes like that right away. I mean, that like show off how tough they are. Yeah. It kind of is like kind of going back to James Cameron a little bit. It's kind of like that James Cameron technique where it's just like he wants to show like these characters. Yeah, they're women, but they're a lot tougher than you think. They're not. I think it's a big thing with Scream 2. It is. There's a lot of like genuinely like strong, like not like strong, like stereotypically strong, but like genuinely strong female characters in it. So like, um, you know, Sydney Prescott, you know, obviously she's the central character. She's the star, as they say in a meta way. Um, she has a lot of, she's dealing with a lot. She is. Cause, um, her, her mother was murdered. Um, she fingered a guy who, uh, she, she assumed was the killer and he was in Played jail. Played by Liev Schreiber. Played by Liev Schreiber, which is the first like time I ever saw him in a movie. <laughs> um, and so he, he, um, He's in jail, so Sydney uh, is now like this, you know, in this sort of state of mind. Like she lost a parent, her dad's, I guess, sort of working, but we don't really know what goes on with her dad much in these movies, in this movie especially. And um, she's sort of in this rocky relationship with her boyfriend, uh, Skeet Ulrich, aka Dime Store Johnny Depp, aka Billy Loomis. Uh. <laughs> him being looking like Johnny Depp was actually the whole reason they cast him. <laughs> Yeah, he really is. Like, like, you know, like I feel like Wes Craven goes, you remind me of somebody. Really? Who? Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> I thought he actually said that that was the reason they cast him, was because he looked I think, like Johnny Depp. I, I think so, I yeah. Funny enough. <laughs> it was like a callback to his own movie. <laughs> Which, can we talk, like, I was thinking about this for a second, because I think about, like, the um, A Nightmare on Elm Street, right? And the one, they, 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 the one dude is in jail. You know, the, they have the one guy in jail. And it's, it's, like, it's like the classic, like, Hitchcock, you know, like, oh, the wrong man, you know, like, mm-hmm. the wrong man's, like, like, like framed or whatever. And I think about, well, that's, it's so great that he, he gets jailed, and it's like, oh, clearly he can't be the guy, right? He can't be the guy. He can't be the guy. Oh my god, no, that was one of my favorite things about the whole movie, is that, because like, so obviously we're following Sydney and her story, but also, you know, we see all these other characters, Tatum, Dewey, Gail Weathers, Billy, Stu, Randy, and all all these different types of characters, and because the way this movie is, it's basically like a whodunit, like a mystery, and so, like, there's so many different, like, okay, is this guy the killer, is this guy the killer, and Billy... You know, I think has like probably the strongest motive uh, from when we first meet him. So like they immediately have to be like, "Nah, it's not Billy." Yeah, because I remember when I watched this movie with Taylor for the first time when I showed it to her. She, the minute Billy showed up, it it was the first scene when he's just being the nice guy trying to have sex with her. He shows up and she's just like, "He's the killer." He's the killer. He's the killer. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to so badly bite my tongue, going like. Because I almost said he's not the only killer. Oh God! <laughs> like, but, but then she said it got to a point. I think it was when he first got caught. That's when she was just like, "Okay, if it's not him, then who is it?" And one of my favorite, one of my favorite like techniques that they use in the movie, as far as like red herrings, is the boots. Oh yeah, they do use the boots because a lot. when you watch the movie and you look at everybody's boots, if anyone's wearing black boots. 
it's the same boots that the killer wears. So like you see the sheriff wearing red boots, seeing wearing the black boots. You see um, Billy. You see I think you see Randy at one point. And so like when you see the red when you I keep saying red boots when you see the um, black boots that's like an indication that maybe this guy's the killer, maybe that guy's the killer. And so like I like I remember um, we had a new like kid at work not that long ago, and I saw he was wearing like those red boots or so not red. God, the black boots. And I immediately went up to him and said, why'd you do it? And he got my reference. So I was happy about that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Who did you call? You, yeah, you were, you're giving him one phone call. Who'd you call? I'm not the killer. You still don't think it was me, do you? Yeah, so that's one of my that's one of my favorite things about the movie, especially when showing it to someone that's never seen it before. It's just who they think will end up being the killer, like, you know, all the different things. And then the the big reveal at the end that it's not one, but two. It's two. Oh, uh, which, by the way, can we talk about Matthew Lillard? Yes. Because I, I was, I, I, I wrote this down when I was watching it. I forget, even though their performances are pretty hammy, I forget how hard they go in on it. Like, I think of that video scene where it's Billy and, uh, I forget Matthew Lillard's character's name. Stu, yeah. Stu, thank you. I just rewatched the movie not too long ago when Stu were with Randy, and I'm just like, oh wow, they're, they're I, if I was in that situation, I would have immediately been like, you guys did it, you guys did it. You're, but it's so, they do, they have such a blast, and I love how Matthew Lillard is just like chuckling the entire time. It's so, especially for someone who grew up with him as Shaggy, it's such a different kind of role for him. <laughs> My mom and dad are gonna be so mad at me. It's that great combination of woozy drunk kid <laughs> slowly dying. Those were the two dudes of this movie. <laughs> oh God! No, no, Richard. Richard, the two dudes is is the interaction with Fred the janitor. <laughs> Get those little shits. Would you call me? Oh, can I just say, like, Henry Winkler being in this movie is so funny because I was just watching Monsters at Work, the the Monsters, Inc. show uh, that Disney Plus has, which re- is really good, and Henry Winkler's on that. So I'm just imagining, like, the <laughs> him getting stabbed as his character from Monsters at Work. He's going, oh, oh, I like the, the Miftas. Oh! <laughs> Henry Winkler. <laughs> God. I also... You know, I think about that scene with Henry Winkler, and I'm just like, okay, if any of my principals done this, they would have been fired instantly. <laughs> like, like I, I agree with his his um, decision to expel the kids, but his methods are in question. Like, just the, the scissors, which, by the way, I, I'm a little disappointed that the killer didn't use the scissors, since they showed him using them. This is, you know, yeah. Though it's you know what's you know what's so funny though like about that death scene is that it feels so out of place, but it also perfectly like gives an excuse for those awful drunk kids at the end of the movie to leave the house. So like because I was thinking because I was thinking about this watching the movie because I was like, why does he kill the principal? Like other than like student hate teacher, like it does there doesn't really seem to be like a huge motivation for why Stu or Billy would kill the principal um but it does sort of make for a good excuse like for a script point of view to like 
have the rest of the party leave so you can isolate Billy, Stu, Randy, Gale, Dewey, and uh, the dad who's in the closet at the time um, to just relegate it to just those characters. So I guess that's a good reason. I guess it was sort of like a last minute thing that the studio wanted because there was like 30 minutes of like no one dying in the movie. Really? So they're like, could you throw something in there? So it was sort of like a last minute thing. I was just, I was literally just reading about all of this. I was like, this makes so much sense. That's interesting because it wouldn't, it does, it feels like it bleeds into the story pretty well. Bless you. Thank you. It feels like a bleed. You see, you're blowing your nose. Now I got sick. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's so funny to think that poor Henry Winkler had to die so that the story could make sense at the end. (laughs) Why did you have to listen to freaking Harvey Weinstein of all people? Piece with this kind of stuff. You killed you killed Henry Winkler. I hate you. That's not the main reason I hate you, but you know. Yeah, you know, going off on that point about the kids leaving, do you, you ever realize just how morbid the kids are in this movie? <laughs> like really morbid. And I'm looking at this, and I was like, this would no one would act like this in 2021. But then I think about all the videos you see on YouTube, so maybe I'm wrong on that. But. That's the sad part. I feel like I'd believe those kids exist <laughs> even now. Right. It's it, it just like, I don't know. It was off-putting to me. But I mean, in a good way, because I that is kind of the whole point and the theme of the movie. It's just that part when just Randy's just like, they found, they found the principal hanging over at the football goal point. Oh, yeah, let's go. Like When that happened, I was like, Ew. you're going to look at your principal's dead body? Guys. Yeah. <laughs> Uh. Like no. <laughs> did we mention? Uh, did we mention uh, at all? Uh, Stu. Uh, we, no, we, we 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 sort of mentioned Stu a little bit, but we. I mean. Yeah. Oh, not Stu. Uh, did we talk about uh, Dewey and Gale at all? Well, that's like the um, like Dewey and Gale, um, David Arquette and Courtney Cox, who obviously famously became a couple, uh, got married and stuff because of these movies, I guess. Um, but they, like, Dewey plays, like, this sort of bumbling, like, not necessarily bumbling, but, like, he wants to be a serious cop, but he's, like, a really young dude, and he's, like, easily manipulated by Courtney Cox. (laughs) Their, like, their whole, I I honestly feel like their narrative doesn't really kick off until, like, the sequels, though, because, like, in the first movie, they're sort of, like, just supporting characters for all the other characters, really. Like, obviously, obviously, Gale, like, has the whole... Um, thing with Sydney because Gail is the one that uh, said that the guy that Cotton Weary, who Sydney said killed her mom, Gail was like, nah, I don't think it was him at all, and like basically like called Sydney a liar in the media and stuff, and so they have a, like a rough backstory between those two characters, and then Dewey and I- Gail sort of become a relationship. Go ahead, sorry. No, and I was I like that character, like the Gale character, a lot because it would be so easy just to have like the media character just mm-hmm. be like a talking head or just a big joke, and yes. you know to have her be like a pretty integral character in this movie. Obviously, it's played by Courtney Cox, so it's like okay, yeah, but still, like to ha- to have this character <laughs> in this movie like that, I think is is pretty nifty. No, yeah, she she works really well, and like she actually becomes like one of like the prominent characters towards the end of the movie 
I was gonna even say it's like not only that, even in the sequels, Gail Weathers' role in the movies I feel like gets even bigger. So much mm-hmm. so that it's like by she's the, the third de- one, she's, she's in the movie more than Sydney. She's she's the detective of these movies, really. She's the one that's like trying to solve the crimes. Like obviously, she has her like own motivations, but at at one point, it does really become about her wanting to actually try to find the killer and catch them. But I always, I always love the fact that like this was around the time Courtney Cox was doing Friends, and like I again, I don't watch Friends, so I don't, um, I don't know much about it. But like, I guess Monica's more, like one of the more nicer characters. Could you confirm that for me, Whitey? She is. She's the nice, clean freak. So like, um, it's just so kind of because I guess that was sort of like what was restricting her from like being considered for the role of Gail Weathers, who is essentially an aggressive, like, sort of backstabby like i hate to use the term like biatch <laughs> but it's sort of what it feels but like i i think it's integral though that you think of her that way be- because because uh, it's like it's like subverting what you would you would expect again like you think about like billy like what i thought like what you oh he can't possibly be the guy right mm-hmm. guys or like she can't possibly <laughs> yeah. be right she's just a bitch guys that's all she but is guess and what it's like guess what you're wrong you're as wrong as randy (laughs) who misquotes aliens let it be known i know i know what you're doing jamie kennedy you could have been better you could have been a good representation of film nerds all across the world but you you failed you failed miserably first you misquote aliens then you have the drunken e3 and worst of all you do son of the mask so ashamed of you, Jim. <laughs> I feel like this is at least the second time. We're supposed to we... represent us all. I feel like this is at least the second time we've referenced Son of Mask. Um, and you know who did it the first time? GIF. Yeah. <laughs> it would only make sense it would have to be me the second time. <laughs> uh, but on that note, like that character, I do like the one scene in the video store with Randy and Stu and Billy. Just because, like, it's clearly just Randy going crazy. He's pointing out the loopholes of the whole thing. It, it's all a horror movie. And that's kind of the thing that wins them over in the end. <laughs> There's a formula to it! A very simple formula! No. Everybody's a suspect! But, but I just love, I love in the video store, though, where it's just like, you know, you're a murder, you're this murder suspect, and you're in the horror section? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you be in the horror section? You're gonna oh, tell it's, me a that's not a <laughs> it's a misunderstanding. It's a misunderstanding. Like even just looking at Matthew Lillard's face, he's like you were talking about this earlier, Wikey. Just like when when they're both confronting him, and he does like the the, the earlobe twitch thing. Yeah. Like how it's how does no one not look at them and go, yeah, they're killers. <laughs> I mean, especially Matthew Lillard, just because he gets so. He gets so insanely zany with his performance, and that's why I love it, because it's so manic. <laughs> but it's just like, you look at that, and it's just like, th- those guys are serial killers. Like, <laughs> I, I still I still love at the end of the movie, hello? <laughs> what was your motive? Peer pressure. I'm far too sensitive. <laughs> he just gets the <laughs> phone chucked in his head. You hit me with or the when, phone! When tra- <laughs> what, go ahead. When go he's ahead. trying to find the gun. I'm hurting, man! I'm hurting! <laughs> <laughs> Billy's just losing his mind like ah, ah, 
<laughs> Did you really call the police? <laughs> That's right. There was a part of me that wishes during that whole part when she was going stew, stew, stew. I wish she used the ghost face uh, changer and it was the ghost voice voice. Because I did like how in the end she's basically the killer. <laughs> Roll reversal mm. on them. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, oh man, I wish they would have went a little ham on it. But realistically speaking, it's such it's such a good third act. I love it. And the fact that it, like it takes place in one night in this one house for so long, like, like it's crazy to think about like how and like how long it. I think it took him like oh, how how long did it take him to film that? I think it took him I a while. Tw- twenty one days. I was reading. Um, twenty one mm-hmm. days was what the end like. Obviously, we were saying that this ran into the problem with the censors. This also ran into the problem with like locals as they were trying to film this thing. And I, I'm not gonna lie, I love I, this movie is great. But it's like, man, if I was in the neighborhood, I'd be so pissed. <laughs> I mean, even just the fact that they were gonna like film at an actual school or like some actual like school location in California, and they were like, we don't want to be associated with this. We, like we don't want we don't want our school to be associated with this material, and so like they had to they had to like relocate at some like center or something, which I assume is was also like a different school that that was just more cool with it. I don't know, but yeah, the locals were not very happy with <laughs> with this one, especially like this if like you read the script like it again because it gets a lot more graphic and a lot more in detail with some things. Yeah, this this was this was a rough one, and it's funny to think too like. You know, not to bring up this this old adage when it comes to watching old movies, but I'm hard pressed to think that they would make a movie like this in modern times. I really don't think they would. No. I mean, I know we got the new one coming out, but even then, it's just like it's like even nowadays, it's like it's hard to get away with a lot of the stuff that they did in that first movie. I think the closest like, we got was like it, with like some of the just like the the little kids in the first movie. But even then, that stuff is kind of toned down, and with the and you can make the argument because it's CGI, it looks faker. Yeah. So it's but, like you can get. But but also too, it is a brand name as well, and yes. you know it's not like Scream. Scream wasn't based on Mm-mm. anything. No, like like the only other way you could get this would be like if somebody like a Jordan Peele was like, all right, I'm gonna produce this thing, yeah, and be a producer attached to it, or like some big person would need to be behind it to get it made and even then i think well the big name i guess in this case was technically wes craven actually you know who it was it was drew barrymore oh yeah that's right because she's on all the marketing and that was the whole bait and switch because she dies in the opening scene which was already like pissing people off so like wait you're killing off because initially she was involved with the movie to play sydney then she wasn't involved and then she was she had a window of opportunity so they're like why don't you play this opening character we'll sort of like subvert people's expectations in that that they think you know the star of the movie you know is going to be you and then it's not which again you know Wes Craven does in Nightmare on Elm Street so it's just it's sort of funny to think how like they there was a lot of like back and forth about why they didn't want to lose Drew Barrymore but then um because of how it affected it 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 basically put it puts you in this mindset where like anybody can die in this movie now or anything can happen it really does because you killed off Drew Barrymore in the opening scene. That's another thing too. I, I think about, cause obviously we all know who drew Barrymore is. Right. And it's a big deal for us, but like, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a younger person was watching this. Would that, be, would that be as effective 
an opening scene is quite effective. I just mean just the visceral, like, oh my gosh, they killed X person. And I'm not trying to criticize the movie because I, I, it's still an effective scene and all that. And obviously, it, it's just one of those things where certain things are like time capsules, where it's like it, it, it's more effective if you were there at that point. Or, like, if you know, knew who this person was. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of things in this movie feel kind of like time capsule. I mean, the fact that there's no caller ID or stuff like that. And, like, just some of the technical aspects where it's just like, okay, technology has just boomed from this point. So, that you probably couldn't get away with this stuff nowadays, like, what the killer does. Because, right. we have, because we're so tied in with technology and whatnot. And even just the aspect of, like, the movie's content itself. They wouldn't get away with it because it's gorier and stuff like that. And on the Drew Barrymore point... She is an iconic actress, and she's, like, people know her name, but I don't know maybe today if she's at that point where it would have had such... These days, they'd be like, they killed the talk show host. How'd they do that? <laughs> <laughs> I love 51st States. What the hell? Damn it! Well, the question, I guess, then, if we were, if there was, like, a modern, a more modern... I know that, again, I know they're making another one, but if they did this movie, like, fresh in a modern sense, like, who do you think would be, like the main like who do you think like who do you think would be effective in that role to like alleviate like to give that feeling in modern times zendaya <laughs> oh if they killed zendaya people would be so pissed oh my god <laughs> oh that that would cr- that would start riots that would um, like like zendaya is essentially like this generation's beyonce you don't touch that <laughs> you know what you know what next thing you know we're it's gonna come to january we're gonna be watching the new screen movie the phone's gonna ring and the cell phone's gonna get answered and it's gonna be Zendaya and you're gonna be like, No! Damn no, it, her! <laughs> you gave him the idea Do it again! <laughs> Why'd you give Paramount this idea? Because Paramount's out of ideas. No! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, now I'm just like, I'm sad that uh, it's not, it didn't even happen, but I'm sad for Zendaya. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch. I'm gonna make a horror movie now just to kill Zendaya. No, you know what's funny though? Like, I don't know if you remember in the in the Suicide Squad, Guardians of the Galaxy episode, but Joey and I talked about how how bold it would be if they if James Gunn did a sequel, a sequel like to his own movie and brought Will Smith back just to kill him. (laughs) Oh my god! Either him. There was a point in that movie I thought he was gonna kill Harley Quinn. Admittedly. Oh yeah. But yeah, it, this mo- like like that like this movie does have that sense of just like anyone's gonna go. Mm-hmm. Even the second one kind of has that element, especially once uh, I'm not gonna get too far in the second one because I don't want to spoil it for people. But it's like you know the part I'm talking about, and I'm just like, oh no. But yeah, this is a great movie, and it's crazy to me that Wes Craven basically saved the horror genre twice. I <laughs> did it with you know Nightmare, what? and then he does it again with this one. You know what I was thinking of? Bless you, bless you. It's it's now traveled to Joey. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the virus can go through the computer. No. <laughs> this is this is our pandemic um, movie. By the way, this is our, our, we're all going to be dead by the end of this one. I'm so sorry. Uh. <laughs> That's the plot twist of the Halloween special. It turns into a pandemic horror. No. Because we were talking about um, Zendaya before, and like mm-hmm. a, a modern version of this, or like. A modern equivalent. You know, it's funny. the The last Scream movie to come out came out ten years ago. Oh, that is right. It came out in two thousand eleven. And mm-hmm. one thing I do like about how these movies talk about it is how they really talk about horror at the times. Because I remember when the fourth one came out, that was when the horror remakes were really starting to kick off. Mm-hmm. 
and the whole shtick of that one, even though it's the fourth movie of a franchise, it was a remake of the first movie. And I was like, that's clever. <laughs> you don't you don't mess with the original. That's that's what she says at the end of the movie. I've I've literally just like my brain just like crapped out. I need to charge it real quick. Joey, say something. <laughs> well, Richard. Um <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean it's I think I think it's a great movie. It's a classic. Um mm-hmm. I definitely want to watch this one more frequently. Um cuz like I said I hadn't seen it in a very long time. Do you have a favorite part, Joey? <sighs> Do I have a favorite part? I mean like just the last 40 minutes really just are, you know, are quite incredible. And, um, I mean, I, I think one of the other things too, I think the acting is good. I think with the, with, um, our first movie, Nightmare, a nightmare on Elm street, I'm like, whatever about basically everybody that's in the cast. But I feel like what's, you know, and Robert England's great. And John Saxon is John Saxon, you know, so nobody gets a pass for being John Saxon. <laughs> Uh, nobody's necessarily bad in that for in a nightmare on elm street but like in scream i was like wow this is like a horror movie where like i care about the people and i'm kind of interested in what's going on Mm -hmm. um you know particularly our our main like leading ladies in in this movie which is really nice and refreshing i i could definitely kind of agree with that i mean yeah I love the I love the first nightmare movie, but it's like there are points where you could probably say like the acting or some of the characterizations a little hollow where with this one it feels almost like an ensemble piece because so many people have like either so much backstory or a lot of great scenes where they could just show off their chops and have genuine moments of I guess sincerity for lack of a better term because I was mm-hmm. rewatching this movie not too long ago and I was like it's kind of interesting how mu- there's very little like kills and deaths in this movie, so it really gives you a lot of time to spend with the characters and get to know them. It goes full Monty at the through. end of the movie, like just like cameraman, um, couple of the kids. Oh, the cameraman kill is my favorite one. Uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, oh, that I mean, one's I, great. I made a joke about it in the beginning. There's a thirty second delay. <laughs> and they just turns around you know what's that was another one of the scenes that was edited because i guess um they sort of linger on like him like losing a lot of blood from when he gets his throat slashed um and then like obviously he ends up on the roof of the van just for that effect of like the windshield bit which is so crazy and i love that they call i love that they call back to that when she gets a new cameraman in the sequel and <laughs> He's like, I sh-, and the, the new cameraman Joel's like, I should have read your book before I got here. You tell the, the, your cameraman got gutted. She goes, he didn't get gutted. I made that up. His throat was slashed. <laughs> and he's like, gutted slash. The guy ain't in the union no more. <laughs> God, now I gotta watch the second one. Uh, I have a special love for the second movie, and also just the fact that Robert Rodriguez directed like the movie within the movie like the stab movie and then danny elfman did like score for like the musical theater bit that's so great where like because like sydney wants to be an actor at one point speaking of the movies within the movies you think by the new screen movie they'll be on like stab eight or something but uh, it's just called the stab i think they'll have rebooted stab by that point <laughs> it's like okay we're on the we're on the second reboot of stab <laughs> Where it's a prequel. We're on, on the a... the anthology of Stab. <laughs> it's a whole whole new studio, whole new people involved. It's a whole thing. Just trying to wrap this up, like 
unless there's any other like final thoughts anybody has with it with this movie. The only thing I really, I don't really have really much else to say on this except it's just like, yeah, it's iconic. It's like literally, there's a reason why the Ghostface Killer is still one of the most recognizable horror slashers to this day. Mm-hmm. And even though this movie is almost twenty years old, <laughs> it has so much going for it. Honestly, it's just got like all the best elements. Like it's. Like, it's not afraid to be campy, but it's also not afraid to, like, really go there when it comes to, like, the more horrific moments. And it's both scary, but also violent. And it it plays this tug-of-war between its satirical, like, tongue-in-cheek nature, while also, like, just really just being a horror movie. And they find a really great balance somehow, but they do it. And it it just makes the movie more entertaining as you watch it, because not only are you scared... You want to know who did it. You know, I was, Richard, I was thinking about our movie last week. We talked about um, American Werewolf in London, and we talked about the horror comedy, how it doesn't necessarily mesh. It it conflicts, which is kind of, kind of works for that movie. But I feel like yeah. the, what, the, what this movie is doing, it flows so naturally, like, between the camp and, like, Oh shit! This is an actual horror movie. Oh god, you know. Um, and I just think with both both movies, you know, they they play. I think they they play with your expectations pretty nicely. You know, I hate yeah. to say, keep saying expectations, or we keep bringing it up, but I think it's important. You know, I think with with a lot of like great pieces of media, like things that last. Um, you know, I think the subversion of expectations is a major factor. And I'm like, when I'm rewatching Scream, I'm like. Yeah, it deserves to be a classic. Like, it's still, mm-hmm. the darn thing still works, you know? I remembered what I was going to say. What were you going to say? What, <laughs> what were you going to say? say? I was going to oh say, you know what I, I sort of think of when it comes to Wes Craven when, in relation to horror? He's sort of like the John Favreau of horror movies and John, how John Favreau took filmmaking and to the technology of it to like further advance it and make it better and do new technologies that people use to today. Wes Craven did that with the horror genre, essentially. That is very true. He did do that. That is a really good point. I even think about that. It's like he kind of, it seems like he always is topping himself because the meta movie he did before this was New Nightmare. And that one also gets super meta and like filmmaking and the tropes of a horror film and stuff like that. I mean, much more to like a, what's the word of chat it's like i guess psychological element because that is about nightmare on elm street mm-hmm. and you have more freedoms with that because it's weird but like with this one it's much more boots to the ground much more grounded and i feel like with that it clicked with a lot more audience i mean so much so like i said to this day people still talking about it or still wear dressing as the ghost face killer like i can i still see that costume in the halloween store every year whenever i walk into it it's like the first thing that's available or, or you see kids still dressed up like at halloween parades as Ghostface, a, char- a character from a movie they should not be watching i had a ghost face mask as a kid and my, i can tell you my mom would not want me watching scream <laughs> kids if there's listen we know this show is is for 18 year olds as we say every time at the beginning but listen if you're listening which you shouldn't be but if you are don't watch scream Wait till you're Don't older. Don't do it. Oh, Richard, I just had the worst realization. What oh, if God. what if like the two dudes podcast like becomes some kids like inspiration to like get into mo- like become a filmmaker 
It's like, yeah, well, no! I, I listened to this podcast, like, Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Is that podcast for adults? Um, Yeah, I, I listened to it when I was, like, 11. Damn you, kid! No. Listen, I'm happy for your what goals you in do? life, but damn you, kid! You know, I actually have a, I actually have a somewhat of a funny story kind of relating to horror and kids' exposure to when you're a child. I think one of my earliest exposures to horror films was when I was at the video store. They would always have, like, the horror section, and I would sometimes just wander in there. And I remember I saw the tape cover for, I think it was Friday the 13th 4, because it's the poster of the hockey mask with a knife through the eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I saw that, and I didn't know it was a horror movie. I went home and I drew, made a paper mask that looked like a hockey mask, and I walked around town with it, and people were like, ah! And I was like, what? I just like hockey! Yeah, I was like, what? What did I do? And then I found out he was a serial killer, and I was like, oh. (laughs) And now, nowadays, I just wear it. I just wear horror memorabilia because I can. (laughs) I'm not wearing horror memorabilia. the difference between you and me i'm not wearing a hockey mask oh my god <laughs> anyway um i, I just want to say wikey thank you so much for um tolerating us for the last two hours on this program you say tolerating i would say i'm salivating in the moment <laughs> wipe your chin off <laughs> <laughs> she might be i don't know she might have headphones on for all i know uh, <laughs> but no i had a blast talking about these movies uh great time as always great hearing your guys' voices again sam likewise i'm excited <laughs> but yeah i hope you but yeah i had a great time glad to have you on the show as you and not as magna paint the god dealer <laughs> well who knows maybe i can come back as that character you never know. <laughs> Smith and Wesson twenty two caliber handgun. Isn't that a honey of a gun? Pop a few caps in the air. Go on. Try it out. Give it a load of this head cannon. <laughs> uh, please folks, please don't try that out. Um that's gonna wrap it up for this week's show. Uh check us out. Oh, you know, again, shout out to uh John and Kenny uh producing that uh, our radio drama. You know, you can check us out Facebook, Twitter. Uh, Instagram, uh, Wiki. Is there any social media links you want us to post in our in our thing while we're at it? Uh, you could do. Uh, you could try my YouTube channels. I got a couple of them actually. Uh, I have White Key Productions and uh, Wolfpack Pictures. You could check out my short films on there. He makes really uh, good stuff. Tic- just so you know, like genuinely good stuff. Yeah, I have my TikTok where I review movies. I don't post on there that often, but that's where I post a lot of my like short little one minute movie reviews and. Where I started that, you can find me on my Instagram, and I have like a whole story. Like when the pandemic started, I did this whole like trivia. I did this whole film challenge thing where it's like, what's what's like what's your favorite horror movie with red? And a lot of people really got into that, and that started the whole TikTok thing. But yeah, you guys can find me on there. Uh, thanks again for having me. I had a blast talking about these movies. Hopefully, I could come back again and see your guys' beautiful faces, hear your succulent voices. Wipe your chin off. <laughs> yeah w- wikey you'll have to send me the the tiktok links and some of those other like i know i have your insta and stuff but you can send me those other links um whenever you get the whenever you get the chance folks what's your favorite scary movie tell us this if it's scary movie we're leaving <laughs>
I mean, I could I could genuinely give you my favorite scary movies right here, right now, if you want to know. But I guess you're talking to the audience. <laughs> Wakey, you had your turn. It's the audience's chance now. All right. Yeah. All right. The audience. Get, all right. All right. Listen. They, I'll they, talk they, about it. Later. They need a chance to respond. You know. <laughs> I got my time to shine. Let them have their time to shine. Yes. Uh, pr- precisely. Precisely. Um, uh, folks, we're gonna keep chugging along with our spooky, spooky movies. Um, and um, you know, all that nonsense. All that good stuff. And, Drink your pumpkin spice lattes. I know I am. <laughs> and candy corn. <laughs> Eat that. Candy corn. Mmm, candy corn. Put some candy corn on the pumpkin spice latte. Like a little decoration. Uh, I might have to Get try that uh, next time I go to Duncan. Get it going. Get it going. <laughs> check, check us out next week. Have a good night, everyone. But just remember, everybody. It's just a dream, or is it a scary movie? Oh, Richard! <laughs> oh, Richard, I'm hurt, man, I'm hurt! Thank you all for listening to Two Do's One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout out as always to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you so much for the music this week. You guys are great. And also the radio drama is amazing. I love it so much. Thank you guys. And also to Alex Whitekey, our third dude this week. Please follow him on all of his different things. It is YouTube, TikTok, everything. He's fantastic. We love him so much. Thank you for being on the show. And of course, a hint to next week's double feature. We are talking about two separate Frankenstein movies. Well, well, one Frankenstein movie and one Frankenstein movie. Stay tuned. First states. What the hell? Is Taylor hearing this? Well, it's time to pick a pizza. Let's play. It's time to pick a pizza.